The Pumley Pod, episode 50. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to The Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, and today's guest is Tony Brady, leader of the Justice for Aaron Brady campaign. You know how I always tell you guys that the system is bent? It's corrupt, it's malign, it's mendacious, it's positively evil. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, I said it. It is much, much worse than that. It is much, much worse than I could ever even have imagined. And I'm not going to sit here and complain about the evil people that work for the state who tried to install a smart meter in my house this morning, even though I've told them there will never be a smart meter installed in my house. I've told them by letter, I've told them by phone, I've told them by email. I am fighting the system. Ladies and gentlemen, I am small fry. I am chicken poo-poo, right? This is nothing. This is nothing compared to what this gentleman that I'm going to interview this morning is dealing with. Tony is the father of Aaron, Aaron Brady. Aaron Brady has been sentenced to a minimum of 40 years incarceration by the state for the alleged capital murder of some guardee. Some garda, some guy in English who is a policeman. I'd call him a policeman officer because I'm naughty. Um, see what I'm doing there? He has been accused of murdering this policeman officer and he has been sent down for 40 years. Aaron's father, Tony, knows that this is simply not true. He strongly believes that his son has been fitted up by the state. And I urge you to stop what you are doing, stop peeling the potatoes. Close down all of the tabs open on your computer. Please stop arguing with the husband. Stop messing around with the animals and actually just listen. Do do me a favor. If you've ever listened to any of my podcasts, please stop what you're doing and actually give this one your full attention because everything I have told you about the state isn't only true, I'm actually underselling it. I'm undercutting it. And with that, I first of all welcome Tony to the podcast. Tony, thank you so much for taking the time out to come and talk to us. How are you doing? And welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm fine. Thank you very much, Sarah. And the invitation is very much appreciated. And thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to let us, Aaron's family, speak about one of the most serious miscarriages of justice on all the islands in our area here, whether it be Ireland, England, Scotland or Wales. We think this is one of the most outrageous miscarriages of justice that has ever happened. And we're just fighting it and we were speaking about it. And we love this opportunity given by yourself to speak to an audience who probably don't know about Aaron's case. But uh, hopefully we can enlighten them. And if we can get more people to speak about it, uh, it puts more pressure on the authorities who have created this false imprisonment of our son. Tony, you're such a humble guy. And the way that you phrase that is just so much calmer and more reserved than I would be in your situation. And we talked briefly off air about the difference between man and woman. I want to scratch the eyes out of this. I want to rant and rage and rail. And gentlemen like yourself, real men, have this intelligence, this maturity and this intuition to do things properly. And I have to say, you've been extremely delicate just then in the way that you've described. To describe this as a miscarriage of justice, in my humble opinion, is a stretch. I think this is way worse than an accident. A miscarriage of justice to me implies an accident, a mistake, a miscarriage. I can't help but feel, having watched dozens and dozens of hours of your videos now, that there is something way, way darker at play here. But however, before we get 
totally into the weeds and what's really going on here. I think it's important to explain to our predominantly English and partially American audience, what is this case? What on earth has happened? Who is your son? What did they say he did? And what is going on here? And you've got all the time you need. So please take your time, lay it out. And I'll dive in only where I've got clarification questions. But please tell us the story, because I know that most people listening to this haven't a clue what what's going on here. Yep. Thank you, Sarah. On the 25th of January 2013, Detective Gard Adrian Donoghue was murdered in a robbery of a credit union here in Ireland. It's actually not far. It's only about 15 or 20 minutes from our home here. And a credit union, I'm not sure if you just have them in England, it's like a local bank. So on a Friday night at 9.30pm, some local people who run the credit union, it's a voluntary organisation in the main, and the people were leaving the credit union. A vehicle pulled up at the gateway to this building. Four men jumped across the wall. Two of the men went to two parked cars belonging to the workers in the credit union. Two armed gunmen approached the Garda car or the police car who were there as an armed escort to take the money from a number of credit unions and to a night safe in a bank in the local town of Dundalk. Detective Garda Adrian Dunn, who stood out of the car and he was shot in the face and the head with a shotgun at quite close range over the top of the Garda unmarked car. Just pause you there. Thank you so much for laying that out so clearly. Just uh, clear up for us, Garda, Gardi, and on Garda Shiakona, just because it's taken me a little while to get my head around it and some of my, my listeners won't know what that is. So please continue to talk in those terms. It's very important that we learn your terms, but just give, just let us know briefly what that means in like layman's terms, terms. So we can follow, please. Yeah, well, Garda, Detective Garda, Adrian Donoghue, as the title suggests, was a detective. He's a plainclothes detective and he was with his colleague, he was in the passenger seat of the car with his colleague, Detective Garda, um, Joe Ryan. And as you said, the Garda in Ireland are police and the Garda Siakona is the police force. So Garda are members of the Garda Siakona. And that includes all the ranks from, you know, right up to superintendents. Something similar to the ranking system you would have either in America or in the UK. And obviously... Detective Guard Adrian Donner, who lost his life, was a senior Garda and it was a plainclothes detective. So hopefully that'll give the background to that. The four raiders then, after the two raiders without the weapons, grabbed some documents and some money, I think about 7,000 euro, five, 6,000 sterling. There wasn't 20,000 in checks, which is obviously was no good to anyone. The four raiders jumped into a car and sped off at high speed. And that was on Friday night, the 25th of January 2013, at approximately 9.30. And how did it all begin for us then? It all becomes a little chaotic. Let me dive in because I know where we're going next. Bless you. Thank you so much for laying that out so blatantly. I just want to ask a question because I'm renowned for asking quote-unquote stupid questions. I just think I'm asking why, and I ask it from a genuine place, but everyone... The powers that shouldn't be call my question stupid because obviously everyone knows that vaccines are safe and effective. End of story, right? Yes. (laughs) For new listeners, that was deep irony. My question is simply that it sounds to me like the event that you've just described is like 
organized crime. It sounds like these guys have done this before. Like when you said that two two of the four people who jumped out of the car went to cars in the car park, two guys went in. It seems to me like this is like a highly, it sounds like organized crime. It doesn't sound like a one-off or a first attempt. Is that, is my sense of what this alleged crime is reasonable or do you have a different view? Yes. Yeah. We would say it was definitely well organized. They obviously knew that the vehicles in the car park of the credit union belonged to the workers. And then the two gunmen went directly for the guard car. But there's a number of issues. And it's again, it's like the whole story. It's there's all different angles. The I'm going to have to rewind slightly. The guardy, the Garda, Detective Ryan and Detective Donahue arrived with another car from the previous credit unions. So there was money collected from three other credit unions in, it's a little peninsula here, just north of Dundalk and County Loud. The woman in the cash keg Jeep had actually nearly 70,000 euro in the Jeep and that was never touched which was somewhat strange. So it looks like it's organized, but it listen, it may very well be, Sarah, that because the shotgun went off, it may have actually maybe freaked the raiders. We don't know. But they did not attack the car with the majority of the money. They only took the money from the credit union in which the car park where the modern robbery took place. So... Although on the face of it, it looks well organized. They came over the wall, two to the guard car, the two armed men to the guard car, and the two other men went to the workers' cars. Nobody went to the car with the majority of the money from the three other credit unions. And presumably the object of an armed robbery is to get the money, right? I get the max- like, presumably, maximum. I've never robbed a bank. I've never robbed anybody. Yes, but yeah. Presumably the objective is to get that money, get the cash, right? That's, that's the whole point. The, right, maximum, the maximum. The maximum from yeah. it. Well, you're facing a long stretch in jail if you get caught, so you're not going to do it for seven grand, are you? No. I'm sorry, you're not. That's To me, that doesn't make any sense at all. No, it, at see, all. it doesn't add up. You're five people involved in a robbery, carrying weapons, attacking uh, armed police. Less than a grand each, or just though, like... Just over like, a grand by each. the time, maybe, if you... Yeah, once you've expenses, petrol, whatever, guns. So, yeah, no. A lot of it is inexplicable. On the face of it, it looked reasonably well organized, but there's elements of it. Yeah, something's gone wrong. It's just, and it's very unusual for raiders to take on armed Garda or armed police. You're risking your life for some money. Stupid, right? Yeah, you're looking at a shootout, and obviously, the possibilities of a shootout is you're going to get hurt. Now, I've put you a little bit off your sort of kilter here, just because I wanted to point out the whole premise to me seems crazy. For me, this question's motive. Motive seems very sketchy for me. However, I know a bit more than most people who are listening. So why don't you take us back in your own time to the very beginning when you first heard about this and lay out for us how events unfolded in your own time there for us. Yeah, so obviously the robbery took place and the raiders sped off. And There was a lot of evidence and different little bits of information in the murder scene, which we'll come back to. But let's explain how Aaron, let's say, came into the frame. So Aaron was involved in some illegal activity at that time. We have a thing here in Ireland. I'm not sure. I'm sure your viewers in America and UK may not understand this. It's where agricultural fuel, diesel, has a marker in it. And it is relatively cheap. 
and that's used for agricultural machinery. And I'm just throwing figures out here. If I'm you buy grinning that- because in France, this is completely almost legit. Everyone does it here. Oh, it's France. Of course they do. What, are you yes. joking? They're socialists, <laughs> which means they, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all agree with socialism, but privately we do our own thing. And the, the black market is never bigger than in socialist slash communist countries. Yes. Like, we, we, like this is a complete, this, this is almost a legit thing here. You can see green stuff shooting out the back of people's motors around here still to this day. <laughs> like, it's great. You can smell it. Like, there's lots of, yes, you crack on because this is, whilst people in the UK might be like, ooh, ooh, what's this? I tell you what, in France, they know exactly what you're talking about. What is, yeah. <laughs> and there's vast quantities of it. It is, it's an organised thing in England as well, but predominantly by Irish gangs, like as far as we know. So Aaron was involved, at the time of the Northern Robbery, Aaron was in a yard on his own, about 30 miles, about 25, 20, 28 miles away, and it's called fuel laundering. So you buy diesel at, we'll just say 10p a litre, and it's coloured red or green to be used only in agricultural machinery. They take this diesel, they put it through a system, it's boiling it or putting it through, would you believe, cat litter. There's loads of different ways of putting acid into it. <laughs> and it burns the colour out. So you put it in at one end, it's red and green. Cat is cheap. <laughs> yes, cat. So that's 10p a litre. And it comes out white diesel at the other end at a pound a litre. So does that make sense? And then that wild, white Perfect. diesel is sold on the black market as such. And let's just belabor this point. Let's just belabor this point in a minute because there's a moral issue here. And it's probably not the one that you think I'm going to go for. But actually, why should farm people who need diesel for machinery pay less money than regular folk? Why isn't the price for diesel just the price for diesel? diesel like, yes. Isn't this because of government so-called authorities taxes isn't this just about how much the state steals from us when we try to buy something isn't that actually what this is about that's exactly it yes yes sorry to put too fine a point on it but my my position is they're stealing from us they're stealing from us in taxes if it comes out white uh, you've paid your taxes on it if it comes out green or whatever yes you haven't a dodgy color you've not paid your taxes on it hang on a minute why should we if i want to buy something from you tony why should i pay any tax on that you've got something i want i'll offer you some money why should the government get a cut well, the difference in the price is predominantly tax. Like it's the exact same product, only that they've added a little bit a day. So the distributors die so that they can fine you and criminalise you if you're getting diesel for its real price rather than the fake government tax. The price. government that, tax price. That's am exactly I being a it. little bit too simplistic, or am I? T- is, is that it, how it is, is as simple as that? The difference in the price of the two diesels is all government tax. I should know. Just for people who are not getting it, just for people who, like this diesel that's not got the dye in it, it's not dangerous. Yeah. It's the same product. It does the same thing. Exactly. It's not same harmful. Product. It's been through the same safety standards as anything else. It's literally a colour change, right? Yes, that's so it. Simple as that. If you're displaying the naughty colour, you didn't pay the government. You didn't pay the mafia to have your diesel. Oh, did I say government and mafia in the same yeah. sentence? And think, well, I'm sorry I did. Because why should we? Taxation, in my opinion, and this is a strong opinion, but I don't apologise for it. Taxation is theft. Taxation came in, income tax anyway, for the Napoleonic Wars. We paid that off quite a few years ago now. Not that many compared with how long ago it was, but we paid it all off. So why are we still paying income tax? Income tax, ladies and gentlemen, is theft. Go do some reading. Check Check it out. out. Don't believe me. Go and check it out for yourself. So basically what we're talking about here is what's alleged to be petty crime. And actually, I see this as the modern day Robin Hood kind of stuff. I see this as, hang on a minute, they're ripping us off on this. Ordinary people 
Why do ordinary people buy diesel? To get to freaking work, to pay their taxes, to yes, pay their mortgage, to, to pay yes, for their yeah. kids, to get a roof. To, like, I'm sorry, the, the, to me, this is not, whilst it's described as criminal activity, A, it's very minor criminal activity, and B, if you ask me, it's any criminal activity in the eyes of the criminals, i.e. the state, the people who are ripping us all off. So I'm sorry if that's a little bit punchy, but I want to make this point very clear because it's very easy to say, oh, Aaron was involved in criminal activity. Yeah, hang on a minute, who decides what's criminal activity? And should we have a look at that exact activity first? And that's where I'm coming from there. So do please correct me if I've messed that up or you come in with what you want there. No, that's exactly right. So it's that's what Aaron was involved in, putting red or green diesel in through a system and there was white diesel coming out on the other side. And to be precise about this, when the, mach- when the red diesel goes through the system and comes out white, you're left with a, a sludge, a waste product. And that's what Aaron was moving that night at the time of the Northern robbery. He was moving that waste product. So... That's where Aaron was. And so we go back to the story. Aaron then on the Saturday morning, so we're now about midday on Saturday morning, Aaron and his friend, Aaron had stayed in his friend's house within two kilometers of the mother and robbery. What's this place called? Where is this geographically, roughly? Geographically, so Belorgan in Lordship is the, where the credit union is. Yep. And... So if we take two reference points, the credit union and lordship, and we have what's known as the Ballymiscanlan roundabout. It's, or is it a five, a six kilometer straight, and Aaron's friend lived in the middle of that straight between those two focal points. So we have to believe that two young men at 20 years of age were after being involved in a robbery, drove off at high speed, and later on that night, drove through the outer cordon, drove up to the inner cordon, spoke to the police on Gardashia Corner, went into their own house, went into Aaron's friend's house, and stayed there the night. When you've just done something you shouldn't have, that's balls, isn't it? That's some serious kahunas. Yeah, that's some serious kahunas, <laughs> yeah. And also, we're going to get stopped twice. Why would we not just stay home? Why, why, would, we, why would we do that? And that's right beside where the Northern Robbery took place. And obviously Aaron had our home here, his sister's, his own place where he was staying, which was in Northern Ireland, which is a different jurisdiction. So we would suggest without any shadow of a doubt, anyone from Northern Ireland who was involved in the Northern Robbery of a uh, mother of a guard just across the border in the Republic, there is no way in the world that they would consider driving back down into the inner cordon and uh, speak to the members of Angardashia Corner and the police. And Aaron's home at the time was which town? Where roughly was he? Just outside Cross Maglen. Exactly, Cross Maglen, that's it. Cross Maglen, yes. You got it. And Aaron stayed quite, he, himself and his friend Jimmy were very close friends. Jimmy spent a lot of his time in America. He had his own businesses in America and tarmacking and that sort of thing. Drives, worked for the local council over in Westchester just one of the suburbs of New York. And he came home for the winter and Jimmy and Aaron were very close. So Aaron would have stayed with Jimmy quite a bit. They were sort of nearly inseparable. And uh, again, just a human aspect of it. Jimmy was very much uh, 
clipboard and a computer man, Jimmy would, didn't, <laughs> didn't get his hands dirty and would be, <laughs> I don't think he'd mind me saying, he'd be OCD about his car, about his his house, his home, everything. So He likes uh, things can, in order, right? He, he likes things in order. And I yep. can say without any fear of contradiction, Jimmy was not crawling through a field of mud and muck because it was raining very heavily. We had snow for two days and then raining very heavily for two days. So everywhere, the gang came in behind the credit union in through a field. And I can say categorically, Jimmy did not crawl through a field of muck to get any amount of money. So that never happened. <laughs> So bless you. God bless you for that. Yeah. That's the human aspect of it. And then the human aspect of the two boys driving back in into the inner cordon of where the modern robbery took place. So the next morning is where it all starts to sort of possibly go pear-shaped. Aaron and Jimmy actually come out of Jimmy's house and they're surrounded by guards. There's I think there's somewhere in the region of 200, 250 members of a guard of corner police searching the roadway, the as the wood, the curbs, uh, the hedgerows, all along the route, the car left the scene of the modern robbery. And Aaron and Jimmy were stopped at the roundabout by the members of a guard of corner. And Aaron was asked, where were you last night? And Aaron couldn't tell the guard or the policeman that he was washing diesel. So he just said, I was in my girlfriend's. And that was it. There wasn't much thought of it. Even the member of Ingardashiakona said that Aaron was calm and he joked. And the two boys went on their way. But obviously when the guard checked, went to check with Aaron's girlfriend, she did say Aaron was here with me. So that was fine. But then the whole thing escalated into a mother investigation. So Aaron told his girlfriend to go into the police here in Northern Ireland and tell them the truth that Aaron didn't come to her house until after he had finished the diesel laundering, which was about 11 p.m. Bless him. Why did he do that? Why did he take that risk, do you think? Why did he not try and maintain the lie? It was, it was an honest, it's a lie because he knows he's done something that the state don't like. It's a bit naughty, but at the end of the day, it's not murder, is it? Yes, it's not it's murder. Nicking and, a bit of di- allegedly nicking a bit of diesel. I would argue the state's nicking off of us, but anyway. Yes, and obviously the, you- the human aspect has to come in here again because as Jimmy and Aaron left the house, like uh, Aaron would have known that they could be stopped, they could be asked. Obviously, if they had anything to do with it, there would have been some sort of... Uh, meeting and get your story right. Now, Aaron's girlfriend lived with her mum, her dad, her sister, her sister's boyfriend, plus they had friends in the house that night that Aaron was aware of. Gotcha. Okay, right? So Aaron, like, you, you would never have said, well, this is where I was because you're looking then at seven or eight people to tell lies for you as the, excuse the language, as the shit hits the fan. And he's not going to do that. He knows. He knows he's done something a bit dodgy, but at the end of the day, it's not nothing to do with the capital murder, nothing to do with robbery or arm robbery or anything like that. Nothing so he's going, like you know that, what? Yes. I've done something a bit bent, but... He, so this is a guy who's actually volunteering the truth in this moment, way before anything's really kicked off. And yes. he's volunteering, actually, do you know what? I didn't tell the truth about that. The reason I told a wee lie is because I was doing something a little bit naughty. And he's, and, and he's come clean about that really early. This is within days, is it not? Or hours even, perhaps. A day. That day, that same day, Saturday, and Aaron's girlfriend confirmed that Aaron said, listen, go in, tell them the truth. 
this is getting out of hand when it escalated into him. That's very honest. I'm sorry. That is a very, very honest action. And if you trust the state goons, sorry, I, I can't even pretend to be polite about them. Yeah. If you trust the state, then that's something that a reasonable and decent person would absolutely do. And my heart goes out to him because that's a young man who's gone, hang on a minute, I need to like make sure that no one... He's protecting his loved ones as well, isn't he? He's protecting his girlfriend and the family of his girlfriend. Yes. That's quite a big sacrifice because he's going to probably get in trouble now for a bit of diesel garbage that would never have come to light had somebody not shot a policeman officer. <laughs> Deliberate. This use of uh, Yes, yes, yeah. In, you know, in some bloody armed robbery gone wrong or whatever. So that's part of what tugs on my heartstrings because this guy, is, this guy out, your son, he's gone out of his way to go, actually, whoa, whoa, we better tell the truth about this. This is not, this is serious. This is somebody's life. And that shows a great respect, actually, for the state. And bless, God bless him. It was misplaced, but anyone can understand that in a 20-year-old man, right? Yes, so that's what happened with the girlfriend. And then the girlfriend went in, explained that all she said was she knew Aaron was in a yard, knew Aaron was working with lorries, and that was it. And then a lot of pressure was put on her family. The members of Angarda Siakona, senior members of the police in Ireland, was constantly ringing her mum and ringing her. So Aaron just said, listen, I'll go in, I'll speak to the police in Dundalk, the Garda. And Aaron went in on the 5th and the 6th of February, 2013. And he went in on the Saturday, the 5th, with his solicitor. And the solicitor actually advised him not to go in. He said, Aaron, don't go anywhere near it. And the solicitor was telling the truth. Yes. The solicitor knew. The solicitor knew that stuff does not get done properly. The solicitor knew that you don't tell the police anything. I've been to lectures privately. Once upon a time, I was training to be a barrister a long, long time ago. And the seminars that tell you that even if you're a solicitor or a barrister, a professional, fully qualified with experience, they say, do not speak to the police. Police. Do not speak to the police because they cannot possibly help you. Now, that's privileged information. That's kind of done in, in solicitor and barrister circles. Yes. Joe Public, members, law, decent, reasonable, moral people believe, falsely actually, but unfortunately believe that there are good people in the state and that you should tell a police officer the truth and that the courts are fair and just and yada, yada, yada. I'm sorry to say that I, I believe that that is entirely false. And that solicitor there was telling the bloody truth. truth. God bless Aaron. He's, he's doing the right thing, the moral thing. And the solicitor's advising him against that. Just think about that, ladies and gentlemen. An organ of the state, somebody who knows the legal system, a solicitor, a professional solicitor, is advising you not to talk to the police. What does that tell you? God bless him. Bless him, yeah. So on the Saturday, the 5th of February, 2013, Aaron went in with a solicitor and the interview was ongoing with Detective Mark Phillips and Detective Jim McGovern. And Aaron told us this that he wanted to tell the members of the guard that the police exactly where he was at the time of the Morton robbery. He wanted to tell them off the record. And on the 5th of February 2013, Aaron Brady told on Garda Siakona that he was in a yard in Cullerville, which is near Cross Glen, and exactly what he was doing with the waste from the diesel laundering. So he's admitted a minor crime, right? Yes. He's admitted a minor offence, right? Yeah. Voluntarily, under no, no duress to do that. Yes. He went in and said, I've done this, but I wasn't there kind of thing. That's it, right? Yes, that's it. Simple as that. And they could have, I suppose, looking back on it and hindsight's 2020 vision, if they had to have anything to do with the serious crime of the more than robbery, surely between themselves, they could have just said, we are sitting here in someone's house. And that would have been it. 
you know, they, they wouldn't have involved other people and had to go and tell where he was in the yard. So it, the whole human aspect of it and common sense was out the window from the beginning. And this is why we never thought as a family that it would escalate into how it did escalate then. And in relation to Aaron telling the police where exactly where he was, members of Angarashia Kona never visited the site where Aaron said he was. They never told the police service of Northern Ireland, the PSNI, that there was an illegal fuel laundering operation going on in that yard. Nobody of authority visited that yard. And this, we should have seen the red flag at that moment, but I suppose we didn't really know for a long, long time that nobody actually went. There could have been any amount of evidence there. The gun could have been there, gun cartridges, paraphernalia from the robbery, a car, car mark, car tire marks. They never went, Sarah. They had a predetermined story, I think, at an early stage. Within they can't 10 go days there because that would unearth unhelpful truths, wouldn't it? That would not fit the narrative. This guy yes. has been honest. He said, look, I've done something, Ben. I know it's illegal. He's going to get in trouble for that. He's probably going to get in some sort of trouble for that. And he's volunteered to go and uh, confess to something, take a punishment, an unpleasant one, for something he's done wrong that he doesn't yes. have to admit to, but he wants to make sure that, hey, guys, come on, like, okay, I did something wrong, but for goodness sake, I didn't do, I didn't murder somebody. I didn't do a wrong robbery. Like, what is up with that? Shouldn't, that's the sort of person in society that we should all be actually really proud of somebody who's gone, do you know what? I did something wrong. I apologize. It was wrong. I accept the consequences of that. Here's what I was doing. And you would expect to be, as a decent person, you would expect to be supported by the state and by the people for doing that because we all make mistakes. We all do stupid stuff. Sometimes we do stuff that's illegal or borderline legal. I'll tell you what, diesel laundry around here. It's de rigueur. <laughs> the French people are, uh, uh, no one talks about that. Everyone does it. We have a petrol car, which is unfortunate. But anyway, yes. <laughs> all the people around here, this is not, a, nobody would even look down on you for that because cheating the state is not the same as cheating your fellow man yeah. in this country. And I know it's a bit too socialist, arguably communist here in France. But I have to say that from a position of pure morality, that's a 20-year-old man who's done something very brave and very decent and very honest there. He's held his hands up and told stuff about himself he didn't have to. And this is how you get, well, we're about to tell everybody how you get treated as a consequence. And I, I hand over to you there. And just to finish what happened. So Aaron went in with a solicitor. That was on the Saturday and mm -hmm. went off the record, told them exactly where he was. And Aaron actually went back in to finish his statement on Sunday the 6th without a solicitor. The solicitor said he didn't need to be even with him. So Aaron went in for the two days, went through all statements, what he'd done Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And as they do, gather a whole statement of information that is relatively worthless. But when it is used in a certain way, Sarah, it can be manipulated and curated into something that is totally, totally false. Even that solicitor didn't think it could be that bad. No. Why would the solicitor not go with him? Because he's got, the solicitor has no worries. He's going to sleep well tonight because there's no problems. He, this 20-year-old kid's done something that lots of 20-year-old kids do in Ireland and other countries, especially yes, France. Yeah all over Europe and elsewhere. It's no big deal. It's nothing to do with a capital murder. It's nothing to do with an armed robbery. Even the solicitor, ladies and gentlemen, is not bothered. What solicitor doesn't want to be with you in a police station? Like, come on. This is their bread and butter. They know how bent... This solicitor didn't want Aaron to go there in the first place. Yeah. Right? Yes. Exactly. That's how well the solicitor knows the system. But by the second day, by the 6th of Feb, 
He's saying, yeah, go on, you don't need me, this is all fine. What yeah. does that tell you, boys and girls? Come on! Sorry to belabor it, but goodness me. It's not, this is not rocket science, is it? No, it's not. It's the human aspect of it, and I know we have to keep repeating it, but if anyone from Northern Ireland uh, commits a crime in the Republic of Ireland, they never go back down across the border. They just wouldn't go back down near it. So That's like me, nipping over to Germany, robbing something, and then popping back to Germany the next day. Yes. Uh, yes. Why would I not stay in France? Like, hello, cuckoo, exactly. cuckoo. Just exactly. don't get yeah. confused by Ireland and Ireland. It's called Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. They both have Ireland in the title, but they're different jurisdictions. It's the same. It's like, like France, Germany. Exactly. So literally, you might be going doing a job in Germany, back to France where I live, and I'll just nip to Germany for a laugh, shall I, the day after. Yes, yeah, yeah. really. Stupid, right? Stupid. So that's sort of the human aspect of it. And then our mainstream media got involved relatively quickly. And we have a publication over here. It's like the news of the world. It's called The Sunder World. Ragtop. The scum and, of the world. The scum of the world is correct. And there was five pictures, five pixelated pictures. I've done a number of videos on this. There was five pictures put up on the newspaper the actual printed newspaper, but on one evening, the five pixelated pictures were put up on a social media site belonging to the Sunday World and they were unpixelated. And Aaron's picture was obviously seen. And then the rumour mill started and it became... Yeah, it was Dynamic. very... Doesn't that prejudice... Sorry to be thick, but doesn't that prejudice any potential future case? Oh, it does. Oh, there's loads of uh, prejudices. Illegal? Yeah, illegal. But the newspapers, we are sort of in contact with the newspapers in relation to other ongoing stories. Of, wow. Yeah, uh, the mainstream media here now is just... Well, Tommy Robinson got lifted off the steps of some... Uh, I think it was Leeds Crown Court. He got lifted off the steps of a court in Leeds for videoing defendants going into court on an ongoing trial. Yeah. That's not like publishing it in a national, publishing images in a national newspaper, is it? Yeah, And he got bunged in jail straight off the bat for that. Yes, yeah. But this newspaper, so was it the print, did you say it was the print copy where these, or were they pixelated in the print but they were real online? That's correct. They were pixelated on print and then for a short period of time, I think on one of the Saturday (laughs) evenings, they were unpixelated. Is that because online... The law hasn't kept up with... So we know that if it appears in a print journal, you can't have an unpixelated image of a defendant before yes, a trial, yes. right? Yeah. But on, have, they got a, have they tried to get around it because online... Is the law not in place for online images yet? Is that the... Well, I'm not sure. We never really even got into that because that was back in 2013. And Sounds then as the, story, uh, yeah, as the story <laughs> progresses, you'll see why there's such a gap between mm-hmm. the event, the modern robbery, the court case, and... Aaron's conviction and then the newspapers I would have been very involved heavily involved with the GA here in my own club and in the county and somewhat in provincially so the GA is the Irish football and I would have been involved at an administrative level and what really upset Aaron then we had photographs of double page spreads Ulster GAA official son Involved in more than robbery. Oh, they're actually saying he was Is the murderer. Is that the essay? 
Is the GA the like the yes, FA? The FA. The Football Association. So for people in America, we're talking about soccer. For people in civilized countries, just kidding, we talk about football. Yes. So with the with the original football, with the football. So I was a football referee for the Football Association of England, and your yes. the GA is the Football Association of Ireland. Is that correct? Yes, it's gotcha. the one where we handle the ball. The ball's not on the ground. It's real football. That's what, that's real men. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so yes. So gotcha. Irish. Ah, yeah. yeah. Proper, yeah, I know, yeah, proper football. They call this, so we call it proper football soccer, but their proper football's way more hardcore. You better check that out for yourself online. Yes, it's worth checking out This is real hardcore, yeah, yeah. Is it it related to Aussie rules? Are there similarities? Yes, there has been. uh, Gotcha. It's sort of a little bit of a crossover. Yes, very. So this is way more hardcore than soccer, you guys in the States, and way more hardcore than what we call football in England, you guys. We're we're ponces. These guys, this this is like the hot, it's a combination of like hockey and football, but you better be seriously tough. It's yes. yeah, Aussie rules and yeah, Gaelic yes, football, yeah. right? Is that what I call it, Gaelic football? Gaelic football, and we're there not we like go. the Americans. We're not all padded up. Oh, you no, we do it for real. Do it for real, yes. We've got muscles and bones, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who needs pads? <laughs> all those get broken. So, so the media whipped this up because you were involved in this organisation. So they, they made it a story, right? This was their attention getter. Yeah, it was very, very... Tough for our family, very, very tough. And because Aaron went into hibernation then, he couldn't come out, he wouldn't come out. He couldn't believe this was happening. We didn't even really understand it at the time. I'd have to say, even with those headlines, Sarah, we didn't even take in the severity of the situation. We thought it was something that was just going to drift away. It's the storm in a teacup. It's the media doing what the fake news media do. They make a, they poo on somebody. And then just move They tell on. everybody about it, and then next week it's somebody else's turn, isn't it? Like, that's what they do. They have a go at somebody. They make them out to be disgusting, worthless. What They do a character, effectively, they do a character assassination. assassination. And then exactly. next week they move on to somebody else, don't they? That's yes. the MO of the fake news, lying, scumbag, journaliar, prostitute, scumbag, fake stream media. Sorry to uh, yes. go for that, but they, that, that's, All of that's, those that's things. what I call it. <laughs> yeah, so that... Was at the start of our interactions with mainstream media, yeah. And Aaron couldn't handle it. And then on a Sunday morning in April, how old is he at this point? Just remind us how old he is. He's a young man. Uh, Two thousand thirteen, ninety-one. He's just turned twenty-two. Goodness, goodness. Yeah. So he just turned twenty-two, and I would have been at that time. I was chairman of the most successful club in the GAA. Ah, so you're the, you're the chairman of the Man United of the English soccer world back then in your yes in your remit. Wow, I didn't know that. And oh, wow, we're actually on the crest of a wave at that time. Right, so that's like the Martin Edwards to the Alex Ferguson back in the day for people who follow Man United football. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. So gotcha. we were on the crest of a wave at that time. So Aaron couldn't handle it. And in April 2013, after those three months of hibernation, Aaron. Uh, made the decision. Now, we didn't want him to do it and we weren't sure whether he was going to do it or not. We did briefly speak about it, but it went on the back burner, but he went to America. So just flesh out for us this hibernation aspect because people don't, I don't think people understand how difficult that is. Tell us like, what was the behaviour like during this period of hibernation? As a father, tell us how you describe it about your son. Virtually no contact with me. He was very upset. And it's not that I was upset with him. It's just a lot of it is a blur now. And we look back 10 years later, he was still in contact with Caroline, his mum. He was staying predominantly with his sister, Sonia. And he was just staying in the room. He wasn't really going out. 
he had been ostracized, I suppose. Like people believe what they see in the mainstream media. And sadly they do. Sadly they do. And it's very difficult. Now, even Caroline would have stopped going out, uh, wouldn't really have become, she would have been with me a lot of the time. With Who's doing the food the, shopping? Sorry, I know this sounds like a like a crass irrelevant thing, but it's not. Who's going out to get the food? Who's, who's oh well, Sonia would have been getting the food for her and Aaron, and Caroline would have been shopping in other towns. She wouldn't know. So this is a young man who's not even going out to get a pint of milk and a paper. No, right? No, nearly never. No, and getting food delivered to the house, takeaways and it's such house like. arrest, isn't it? It's house arrest by any other name. Yes, and. Again, Goodness we didn't me. understand it. You know, I look back and probably disappointed with the way we handled it at the time. But it, you can't say that, Tony, because you, that this is hindsight now, isn't it? It's, oh, hindsight. This is, this is 2013. This is pre-COVID. Don't forget. Yes. This is pre like we've all been under house arrest for two, two and a half two years. Two years. Yes. Exactly. Then, this is never. This is unprecedented at this time. And it, yes. this is a young man. This is a very young man. Yeah. No, you can't be blaming yourself for whatever. Like. That's a very, very difficult period. So basically, when did you find out he was in America? Did he tell you he was definitely going to America or did you find out when he was already there? No, he didn't. <laughs> we got a phone call on Bless a Sunday him. morning and he just said, he apologised, says, sorry, dad. I'm out of town, dad. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even say that. He says, I'm sorry. And unfortunately, he wasn't very descriptive in what he had done. And he made the phone call and said, sorry. And I know I said we'd stay and fight it and we'd do it right. And then he hung up. And it was Tuesday, like we were of the oh. opinion that he had taken his life for them two days. Yeah. Or for most, I think it, was, it could have been very, very late Monday night oh. into Tuesday morning, we got word that he was in he was in Boston. So that was a relief at that time. Thank and God he's still alive, right? So yes. just to be clear, you guys thought that that was his farewell message, right? It was a voice, was it a voicemail, was it? Just a voice message on the phone. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Bless you. Oh, good heavens. No parent should ever, ever have to think that about their son or daughter, right? That's just unbelievable. Yeah, strange times. Just, yeah. I can understand why you thought that. and yeah. It goes to show what a good heart he's got because he's so devastated that these are the words he's using to describe how he's feeling yes. and you thought he'd taken his life. Yes, but, yeah. and, but this is because he's gone to America to give himself distance between the persecution at home Yes, and Protecting his family, right? Because is he there? Who did he take with him to America? Who's he with? He went himself, but he met up with his friend who he was with on the night of the... That, that's Jimmy, right? Jimmy, yes, yeah. The OCD guy, the clean guy. Yeah, so he was over there working with them in Boston. Great. For a, a good while he was working with them. And then he moved up to New York. And he was there for a year or so. We went out to visit him. And there was very little in the media, little snippets about Garda Mother and Garda Gang in New York. But they were saying Garda Gang in Australia, Garda Gang in Europe and UK. So there's a lot of, lots of... Spread betting. That's spread yeah, betting. Spread betting, it, yeah. Loads of spread betting by the media. <laughs> and then things started to hot up. Nothing happened then until... 2016, there was a concert at the FA. Hold 2016 for me just a moment. Sorry to, to come back. Yes, I just want to yeah. check. So after you realise he's alive and well in Boston, how did you, I know this is a bit human interest, but that this matters, the human angle really matters. When did you talk to him? And then did you tell him <gasps> that you thought he'd committed suicide? Like when, can you remember? Oh, it's more like, than you about him, yeah. Back together? Can't, yeah, can't, how did we, how did we start talking? That's, 
That's a very so just good because, question. Just because, like, you thought that the worst had happened, then you find out that he's okay, but then how did you talk? Like, that must be such a strange conversation. Like, how do you, did he talk, did he ring you or did you ring him? Like, how, how did that work after that happened? I can't answer. I'd have that. Caroline would know. Caroline would, yeah. <laughs> Caroline would have, Caroline would have, mum will know. I think she gave, know. she gave him a good telling off, I think. Oh, <gasps> yeah, actually, I didn't think about that. She would love her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. about that. <laughs> and I was probably I think Your once dad, I knew course. I was happy mm-hmm. but I think I was very upset with him for running away and not staying and facing it because we had talked about staying and facing it but he always said and he had told the girls that once the stuff about the GA and me went off on his the sisters? paper his sisters, his sisters yeah two girls, girls yeah. Sonia yeah. and Irene yeah so yeah, once the stuff went up in the newspapers about the, the sports official his son he just couldn't handle it so that was he doesn't want to let you down he, listen you're a real man and he's proud of his father you're proud of your son and he doesn't want to let you down even if it's only in the public eye he didn't do it he didn't do anything didn't right? do it they yes, made yeah. it out but he feels guilty right yes, he's a human yeah. he feels guilty that he's let his dad down I, I, yeah. that's a perfectly human response and I fully understand that you're letting somebody that you love yeah and his yeah. whole life changed here like he would have been very outgoing he's funny he would be the life and soul of the party and all that stopped he had a good group of friends he would have had a nice lifestyle here in Ireland. Do you think, looking back, that I understand your innate will stand and fight this, will do the right thing. I, that is moral and just and decent and everything that you stand for, Tony. And you can see that. You watch any of Tony's videos on the Justice for Aaron Brady campaign, guys. Go and look at this man and you tell me what you think of him. He's an up, upstanding, decent, hardcore, real man, a real, real person. This is somebody that you want on your side, on your team and in your country. Can you understand on reflection, and I know this is hard because it's with hindsight, but can you understand now a bit more why Aaron might wanted to be in the States oh, instead of yes. being in Ireland? We've understood it. When we went to visit him then in, I think it might have been 2015 when we went over to America, when he moved to New York and sort of got settled and working, doing quite well for himself. We went over in 2015. But yeah, we I understood why he'd done it. And then when he started to progress in New York and... But when he moved to New York, I think it was about 2015, some of the leaks had started. And obviously he was known and small Irish community in Yonkers and Woodlands. He was ostracized by a lot of people. Oh, really? Even when he moved. Oh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. And you learn very quickly who your friends are. And he had a wonderful group, a small group, albeit, of very good friends who understood. He never hid the fact that he was the man in newspapers. He never denied gotcha. it. Yeah, He always denied that he had no involvement or nothing to do with the mother of Detective Card Adrian Donahue. But he said, this is what these bastards are doing to me. This is me in the newspaper. This is why I'm I'm over here because I'm cutting distance between that garbage and, and real and this, life. Yes, yeah. So these people in America, these they're well plugged in back home. So they might be Irish American, they might be American Irish for want of a better yes, term. Yes, yeah. But they're, but they're still plugged into the, the oh, what I call the yeah. fake news media back home, right? Is that the, is that how they got this? That's how they got that, and there would have been there would be a lot of people from this area, young people. Oh, there was some real bastards, people from this local area, who didn't help Aaron and would have, yeah, would have perpetrated. That's the social media aspect, right? Social media aspect, yeah, right. and right. would have promoted 
ostracizing Aaron in New York because Aaron was very much into the GA in New York and got involved but made his own friends and worked with his own that's team that's real football people that's hardcore for those of you who don't get GA still that's the uh, like Aussie rules Irish version even hardcore no offence to the Aussies that oh bless so what was he doing what was his job in New like what you said he was doing well and he'd got he'd work, he was working in New York what was, yes. his, what was he doing what was, he, what was his thing he's looking forward to and he always loved machines diggers Pile driving, <laughs> so pile driving, and yeah, himself and a close friend and associate. Fantastic. Just before he was arrested in America, they were in the process of preparing, going out on their own, setting up their own business. And did he know? This is really a really personal question. You don't have to answer this, but I'm just curious. Like, did you think he knew that you'd forgiven him when you went to visit him in America? That you'd forgiven him for going to America? That he didn't stay and fight? Oh. Did, did you think he felt that you were okay with it by that point? Oh, I think time. so. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, we got on well when we went to America, yeah. We went over a few times. Yeah, and it was Because what just... dad thinks of him matters, doesn't it? Oh, like, it does. It, it, it would. It's just got to. In yeah, a real relationship, time. a real family, That that that's important that your dad, look, my dad didn't like that I left, but he gets it now. Is that yes. fair to say? Crack him. He was making a new life for himself, right? He was making his new life for himself. He was involved with the GA over there. He had a lovely group <laughs> of friends. And... There was a whole lot of nonsense, Sarah, also about Killer hiding in the Bronx and hiding in New York. He was oh. never off Facebook doing tricks on diggers. Every day we were getting videos of pile driving, whether it be Brooklyn, Central Park. He worked off a couple of very big jobs he was proud of just off Central Park. The Gaelic grounds, the football ground in New York for the Irish. They are every Sunday. Do they play Sunday. properly over there or do they wear pads? Oh, or no are they, pads. Are they no. hardcore? They're proper. It's the actual GA, yes, yeah. Oh, wow. Real GA stateside. Real GA stateside. Wow. So I he was very that. involved in it. Uh, it is, it's, it's very big over there now. You know, it is the diaspora. Do so they let girls do this? I think this would have been my sport. If, if oh, yeah, the girls. And is again, a, the girls play this sport. Ladies GA, LGFC, uh, and it's getting very big now. It would have been probably on the periphery for a number of years there, but it is like a, much the same. Well, back as in we the said 80s, this, I was the only weirdo that played uh, football. Played, uh, yeah, yeah, like, Girls did not play football and they definitely did not play cricket when I was when I was a wee in. But this Gaelic football business, I have, I've seen quite a bit of this and I've watched a lot of Aussie rules because I used to work at the walkabout bar in Manchester, you know, the Aussie bar. Oh, there you go, the walkabout. When uh, I was a student, so I've yeah. watched a lot of Aussie rules and I'm like, this is Gaelic football. And yes. obviously I got told off because you're not allowed to say that. No, but yeah. It's basically, I'm like, hang on a minute, I've seen this before. This isn't, this is from Ireland. Yes. And now, <laughs> isn't that where they got it from? Or is that, is that a bit naughty? <laughs> well, it probably is. It's sort of... It's probably a, where it came from, isn't it? The transportations and the, surely we took oh, it yeah. there. Yeah, All like, the criminals <laughs> that went from Ireland to Australia, we were banished. Well, you say criminal, and I just say, eh, possibly freedom fighter. Freedom fighters, yes. But I'm yeah. not convinced so much these days, you know? Yes, well, very, is, very is nick, true. Is nicking off a knicker a crime? Yeah, well, that's, that's <laughs> true. Is robbing a bankster a crime? We better not well, go there. Anyway, let, let, let's rein it back in. <laughs> eating your own food is not a crime, but it was seen as such in those days. But yeah, yeah so that's... Um, so he was very much involved. So again, to try and give people some perspective, it shows how the media um, just used certain aspects, told blatant lies to create a narrative that was simply false. And this and is the media, just to be clear, in Ireland. This in is Ireland, like Indo, yes. This is the, the, star, the mainstream the, yeah. publications. The Irish the star, star, the Irish right, Sun yeah. and the Irish Mirror. Yes, all of those, all of the above. What about the Independent? The, the, were they at it? 
Not as much. Much. It's a tab- this is a tabloid thing, right? It is a tabloid. The tabloids was obviously uh, much better with the, the headlines. But uh, <laughs> there was little bits in the mainstream media, like the Indo, little bits, but uh, not as in your face as obviously gotcha. the tabloids, yeah. What happened next? So then there was an increase in 2016 in relation to the media again and a lot more about New York and uh, Garda Killers in New York and Boston. Two brothers in Boston. So Aaron's friend Jimmy and his brother. And again, he was a suspect for all through this aspect and even during Aaron's trial in 2018 until we found CCTV. Well, Aaron actually found a CCTV footage of him in a shop going into his house and coming out of his house. So he couldn't have been involved. He was named numerous times during the course of Aaron's trial. But when the reality hit the prosecution and the realized that we knew that this young man couldn't have been there, they just dropped his name. It's crazy stuff. Wow. Sarah, yeah. Wow. That needs belaboring. So the CCTV footage of Jimmy, the OCD guy. Yes. Yeah. Nice it's guy. his brother. It's his brother, Eugene. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he, there was video footage of him going in and out of his house at the time of this alleged crime. Yes, at the time of the Morden robbery and a testimony from his girlfriend that he was in the house with his wow. girlfriend at that time. And where did the CCTV footage come from? Like a shop that's looking onto his property or, or was it his own CCTV? No, he or? was actually down at the shop, the shop beside the credit union and he was all dressed ah. in, what, in white and this that's was it. all hidden. There's thousands and thousands of hours. Oh, we're actually... If you've seen some of the footage in the recent trial, Jimmy was actually on trial there just recently. He's awaiting yes. sentence verdict in September. They've prolonged it for three months for some reason. But however, the, I've lost my train of thought now. So, yeah, I saw that. Just while you're thinking, I saw that, that instead of giving a verdict in the armed robbery aspect yes. rather than the murder aspect... And I must say, I don't understand how, if you're involved in an armed robbery and somebody gets murdered at the scene of the armed robbery, how are you not charged with at least being accessories right. to murder? Or yes. like, you surely get the whole book thrown at you. Like, why? Why didn't they? This is just for the listeners because I know you know the answer. But for the listeners, like, why would these two guys? I don't know the other guy, Jimmy, and is it Brendan? Brendan Trainer. Brendan. Sorry, I did forget his name. Jimmy. Why, why would Jimmy and Brendan only be accused of armed robbery when you know a detective? a policeman officer detective got shot and killed at the same scene of the same robbery, the armed robbery crime. Why if they, if you did, okay, you're not the two guys necessarily that shot the detective, but if you were there, you normally get charged with being an accessory to murder because you drove the car or you were there or you held the gun or you stood there with the, the cash bag or whatever. That's like common, I'm no detective, right? But that's just common procedure, isn't it? Yes, yeah. In pretty much any country we, that has it, a reasonable it could, it grasp couldn't, of, of... Yeah, we couldn't understand it. It was unexplicable, I suppose is the best way. But they weren't and they were charged just with the robbery. And that's because there's CCTV footage of Jimmy being inside a shop at a time when the, the gentleman was shot. Is that right? No, it's not Jimmy. It's his brother, um, Eugene. Oh, sorry. Just okay. before the more than robbery and CCTV footage shows him coming out of the shop, driving to his home. There's CCTV footage of a vehicle going into his house and oh, then sorry. there's CCTV footage of Eugene coming out of his own home after the more than robbery and his girlfriend's in the car with him. And then all of a sudden, he completely disappears from the prosecution from the storyboard. Yeah. Wow. And they don't have a gang. Again, now, you see, this is where I'm going to go off on tangents. There was five people involved, obviously. 
there was the person driving the vehicle and four men behind the wall. A vehicle did drive behind the credit union at 12 minutes to 9 p.m. on the Friday night. And obviously, four men got out of the car, hid behind, walked up through two fields, hid behind the wall for 40 minutes. And as the convoy arrived, a car blocked the entrance. So we have a driver and four people to jump the wall. And they've never had a gang. They could never link four other people to Aaron, who could have been involved, that had no alibi, or their phones were, we have a whole load of nonsense. We'll come to the phones all. So we're staying with the, <laughs> we're back with the American thing. So Aaron was in America with the two brothers, moved down to New York, and then the, the, Little so you've bit got Aaron, Jimmy, and Eugene. Yes. They moved down to New York. Yes. Gotcha. Jimmy and Eugene were predominantly in Boston. And then mm-hmm. Aaron moved on down to New York. He sort of, they actually fell out over Aaron using the car to go and see his girlfriend when he should have been doing some work for them. So there's a fallout there. <laughs> and Aaron just was lucky, fell into a good job in New York. And that was progressing, yeah, very steadily and very quickly. And he liked New York. He got playing the football, got involved with the GA team over there. And as I say, in 2016, the paper started a little bit more frequent about uh, Garda Killer in New York and things like that. And then that obviously culminated on May 2018. Aaron was going to work at 5.48 p.m. He was stopped and arrested. And now Aaron was an illegal immigrant at this time. He went on a, an ESTA visa. So that's just a visitor's mm-hmm. visa for six months. And this is another anomaly. Aaron was illegal from December 2013. And he was not arrested until May 2018. <laughs> so yeah. this shows us that like, there was no other evidence to be gathered here in Ireland. It was all gathered at that time. So this is the time used to create a false narrative and create a fake case against Aaron. And if you cross the border from Mexico today, that's all fine, right? Yes, you can walk <laughs> You can walk in. Yes, no papers. Unless no you're Dr. Reiner Fulmich. Uh, yes, of course. Of course. But, uh, of course. If, you're, if, yeah, if you're just Johnny anybody, that's completely fine. Yeah, rock in. You've got papers now. Yeah. Yes, and his whole, like Aaron's <laughs> whole deportation was illegal. We could do a whole podcast wow. on that. Yep. He went to America on a British passport, uh, they made up an Irish passport on an A4 piece of paper and deported him. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. like you're getting into the, like, but that's for another day. Because he spent some time in Leicester. This is the English aspect of it. He's got a British passport, but they fictionalised an Irish passport to send him back. But he's, for people who don't understand, the Northern Irish border. So the Northern Irish border is a British passport, isn't it? Yeah, we can have either. We can have either. You, or can, have, both. Can, you, you yeah. can have both. Because we can have both, in, oh, yeah, yes. Yes. If you are born or your even your grandparents are born on the island of Ireland, which includes Northern Ireland yes, and yes. the Republic of the island, the whole island of Ireland, whole island yes. then you're entitled to a, an Irish passport. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, yes. Gotcha. I'm with you. I'm with you. So he went there on, an, on a UK one, on a British UK, one. A British and they fictionalised an Irish one to deport him. Deport him, yeah. There's a whole lot of wow. issues surrounding wow. that. You'd expect a, a decent sort of constitutional lawyer or something to make a field day of this. Yes, pro bono like just because it's completely unprecedented it's 
This is da- it's dangerous, isn't it? It's dangerous to constitutions. It's it dangerous is, yes. to the rule of law. Why has nobody picked this up? So I know that's a stupid question to you, but for the benefit of the listeners, why has nobody run with that one even? Yeah, it, does, it, it just becomes so entrenched. And to all intents and purposes, it is very difficult to get any legal team to actually fight against the state. Now, you will get good defenders and they will defend the information coming towards them. Getting prosecution or getting a defence team to attack is very difficult. I know that's very simplistic, but it's been it's something we've learned during the course of Ireland's trial. Defence teams in Ireland, and I don't want to be derogatory to it, we did have issues with Ireland's first solicitor, but they're very passive rather than proactive. There is hundreds well, of little bits of information that qualifica- It's really simple. Where did their qualifications come from? From yeah. If you were to qualify to be a barrister, your qualification, whether it's defence or prosecution, prosecution your yeah. qualification comes from the state. Your position on the bar, the professional organisation of barristers, Yes. that is controlled ultimately by the state. By the state. So yeah. if you upset them, it doesn't matter whether you're a defence or prosecution or you're not going to be allowed to play lawyer at law school anymore or barrister in the courtroom anymore. So effectively, defence barristers are controlled ultimately by the state because they're licensed to practice, for want of a better term, can be taken. It's a bit like the doctors during the COVID scandemic. Doctors, no matter how independent, their right to practice is still governed by the state. So that's why they don't say anything against the state. Yeah, the the medical council who do what the state tell them to do. do, This is the problem. And so, yeah, whilst they might defend the information, as you beautifully put it, coming at them, they're not going to go on the offensive against the hand that ultimately feeds Feeds them. them. Because if their licence is taken away, they can't take money off private individuals like me who want defence lawyers against entities of the state. Is that reasonable? That's reasonable. And in Ireland, it's not as... it's not as predominant in the UK and definitely not in America. You can be a defence and a prosecution lawyer here in Dublin. So Yeah, they're not split, are they? They're not split. We're defence so, teams, we're prosecution teams. That You're both, aren't you? Yes. <sighs> your best paydays are probably coming from the state. Yeah, so the hand to feed you. The hand to feed you. Those. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> the state's always got one side in all of the cases, haven't they? Pretty much in a, in a court, in a criminal court. So is the state on one side, right? Yes, but it's Johnny anybody on the other. On the other side, right. yes. So that's <laughs> basically the way it works. Bless you. Absolutely brilliant. So we're at the point where Aaron has been arrested. Can you just take us through the arrest in New York, please, Tony? Yes, as I say, it was in May two thousand and eighteen, and again. Because there's so much information, I have jumped. I should have said, Aaron is now married and has a baby, Dara. And he's moved into his own apartment with Danielle and Dara. and Making a real life for himself. Yeah, doing very well. And as I said, he was about to embark on his own business and he was arrested on that morning. Is his wife, just out of interest, is his wife Irish, American or both or...? She had an American passport, but she's a Kerry woman, Kerry girl. Oh, bless her. Yeah, and I have to say at this juncture, the her and our family have been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, we obviously she was home before Ar- she was actually home before Aaron was, and her and Dara. She's living down in Kerry. We see Dara very often. We were down at the weekend. He comes up and visits us. He's a fantastic bond with our other four grandchildren. Five of them are very, very close. And her family, Danielle's family, didn't buy into all this. 
and they've been so, so good to us and so strong. Members of the police in Ireland, again, you see this, I go off in tangents, but this actually happened. Members of the Irish police went to her family in Kerry at around the time. It's relevant for some of the stuff that happened in America, this actually, but just before the arrest and they told Danielle's parents that I was head of the IRA in South Armagh. I was heavily involved in the IRA in Northern <laughs> Ireland. I had committed, I committed numerous murders. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I had uh, commissioned and committed serious, several murders. Yeah, because Alec Ferguson of Man United is well known for that kind of carry on yeah, whilst in that position. So, okay, you're like the Martin Edwards to, you're like the chairman, right? So you're like yeah. the, the Martin Edwards to the Alex Ferguson. Is that the right uh, analogy? Yeah, kind of well, we just haven't got the finances they have. But, <laughs> yeah, but even so, like, we're they haven't got time. <laughs> exactly. Well, you have less time than them. They've got means. You've got to do all of this in your spare time, right? In the spare time, yeah, be a terrorist. And... <laughs> No, a global, an amazing, highly functioning, successful terrorist in your spare yeah, time, right? In the spare time. Genius. So, yeah, yeah, genius. Well, we interview them all here on the Plumley Pod, you know. Do, yes. There yeah. you go. There we go. <laughs> Bless you, Tony. That's outrageous. And the reason for that was, we now know, was that was to create aggravation between Aaron and Danielle. and Divide and conquer, right? Divide and conquer. The oldest trick in the book. I remember having a number of phone calls with Aaron and Aaron says, Dad, you're going to have to ring Danielle's dad and explain this. And yeah. I says, fuck me, Aaron. How am I going to, <laughs> how do I approach this? But rang and had a... Hey, it's lovely to speak to you. I'm, a, I'm nasty IRA. <laughs> I know they say I am, but I'm like, that sounds great, yeah. mate. Yeah, brilliant. I believe you. Like, what? <laughs> so he spoke to me, went through a couple of things and they had met Aaron in... Again, another very, very important human aspect. They had worked over in America too. So they knew Aaron. And on a number of occasions, Aaron had been in and out of the house with them and had eaten with them. And it was actually Danielle's brother said to the mum and dad, they were ringing each other, Danielle, get away from that man. That man's a murderer. He's from a, his family are nutcases. Get away from him immediately. And Danielle's brother, Eddie says, listen, everyone, he says, let's calm down. We've all met Aaron. We all know how he acts and responds around Danielle and how he acts and interacts with us. He says, is this likely to be true? We know this man, right? Yeah, we, we know, this, know man. this man. How old was he when he said that? Roughly how old was this? Well, this brother? happened, oh, the brother, Eddie's, oh, Eddie's a bit, time, a bit, old bit older. Uh, how yeah. old have you been to that? But it sounds years like ago. a mature, I'm asking because it sounds like a mature attitude. Yeah, he's only he would have probably only been twenty seven or twenty eight at the time. Wow. Yeah, but he well, is. Good he's for him. Yeah, he's, he's got, got his it. head screwed. He's, he's understood a, it. He's very good business and um, ah, very right. clued in America. Very hard worker. Him and Aaron worked together. Went to the gym together. Socialized together. So Brilliant. he knew. Good lad. And would you believe? And does it because we are tackling Sarah so much of the personal aspect of it which I don't really do that much in, as you know, I in know. the... I know, in the videos. In the I videos, know. it's more details, times, CCTV. But the bastards never went to speak to him. He was Aaron's closest friend. Aaron worked with him. So Aaron was working pile driving at the week, during the week. And this brother's job was an office, completely empty it and refit it for Monday morning. So Aaron would stay, they'd work all day Saturday, all day Saturday night, most of the day Sunday, Sunday night, and get the office refitted. So they worked together. 
They went to football together. They went to the gym together. And the Gardaí, the authorities, never spoke to this man. Because, as we'll find out later in the story, he's an American. character reference, isn't it? Can't have that. Can't have that. He's not an illegal immigrant. He was an American citizen, so they had no leverage on him to tell lies. So that's a big, big factor. And yeah, so they never even spoke to him. Wow, the guy who arguably knew your son at the time the best. The best, yes. The best, professionally and personally, right? Personally, at that moment, in that. At that you know, moment, couldn't have known. Notwithstanding, him. your folks, your parents, always going to have a bias to you. They should do. That's natural. That's natural. But this guy, why? Like he just works and, and socialises with him, right? So this is a this is big evidence, isn't it? It's a big, it's a big deal. Big deal. And then, obviously, if any of what they were saying was true, if any of the narrative was true in relation to Aaron being somewhere involved in the murder, Danielle's brother would have won. They're a very, very close family. And he would have done anything to protect Danielle if she was in any form of danger. Danger, of course. Yeah, because Big Brother, is it Big Brother and Little Sister? Big Brother, yes, yeah. Do you think Little Brother, Big Brother's going to let Little Sister be in jeopardy by some guy who's a, a guard of murder? Murderer, yes. Like, that's nonsense, yeah. isn't it? It's complete nonsense. So tell us, so take us back then. Thank you. That's a really, I, I never even had a clue about that snippet. Yes. Take us back to, <laughs> just before I go, I'm going to ask you in a minute about the moment that Aaron, poor Aaron was arrested and how that went down. Just before I come to that and ask you, I just want people to consider the sort of wider family aspect here. These are real people. Yeah, these are real people with real lives, girlfriends, wives, hopes, dreams, families, the families of your girlfriend. Guys, just keep asking yourself, is this credible? Is this likely? Stop believing what you're told and start thinking about, "Mm, what would I do in that situation? Do you know, do you know, do you know why great plays are great? Great plays are great because they have universal themes. Universal themes means common to humanity. So don't ever, ever be bullied out of your understanding of universal themes, i.e. decent, ordinary human behaviour. Just connect this to yourself. Connect this to your own family, your own son or your own daughter or whatever, however that's appropriate for you. But just please, as we go along here, just start asking yourself these questions. Is this what my family would do? Tony, the arrest. The arrest, What happened with Darren's arrest? And even just, if I can put another layer on what you're after saying there, which is very true, Sarah, if Aaron Brady had anything to do with the modern robbery and the death of Detective Gard Adrian Donoghue, we would not be undertaking the campaign. We would have to deal with it that our son was involved and nice and quietly behind the scenes, we just have to live our lives and live with the fact that that happened. We would not be embarking upon a campaign of any sort or for any leniency if Aaron even had any involvement in it. So I suppose that sort of sits on what you're after saying there, Sarah. This could be anyone. It could happen to anyone's son and daughter. But if it did, if Aaron had had to do with it, we wouldn't be doing this. We would be accepting it in whatever way. I don't know how you would accept as, it. As but. cruel as it is, as cruel as it is, I thank God yeah. it happened to your family because you have the decency, the resilience, and I hate that word resilience. I mean, the old version. Should we call it robustness? So we'd have to use that yeah. word. That yeah. robustness, that realness, that genuine head of the house. If my son has done something wrong, then we face it as a family and we deal with yeah. it. And that, although it's horrific and you're such a good person that in some ways I wish it hadn't happened to you, of course not. But on the other hand, thank God it did because if any good is ever going to come out of this, it's thanks to the strength of you and your family 
and your integrity and your decency. You're obviously fighting a much bigger battle than for you and your family. And for you, this is way bigger than your son. This is literally anybody. This is Joe Public. This is Joe Sixpack. It's Jane Doe. It's all of us, guys. This, when, as you hear more about this story, Tony's going to really get into it now, you'll realise that this could be you. And if not you, your mum, your dad, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your nephew. This is what they, the powers that shouldn't be, do. And I've been at pains to try to explain this, and I, I can't think of any better way than letting you roll it. So take us yep. to that moment when poor Aaron was arrested. Well, Aaron was, was arrested and detained, and he was held in New York detention centre, and then he was extradited or deported back to Ireland. And Wow. What happened when he was arrested, though? Wasn't there a big hoo-ha? Like, he was just on the way to work at, uh, what was it, stupid o'clock in the morning on his way to work? On his like, way to Mr. work. Mr. Nobody on his way to work. Come on. Yes. Tell us that, because I think that's very revealing. I think that tells its own story. Tell yes, us a little mini-story, please. A little mini-story. So he was just on his way to work, and again, if, unfortunately, maybe you have to use Google or DuckDuckGo, whatever. If you Google Aaron Brady's arrest, you'll see him with his handcuffed and he's totally surrounded. He was brought back to the house to get his his passport and any papers or anything. They brought the car back round. Danielle was very strong. Like the baby was only October, seven months. Uh, <gasps> that was only seven months. And Danielle wouldn't let them in. She was, she was very strong. Like Aaron was very, so proud of her. And Aaron said- Does she know to, her constitution? Is she, is, she, <laughs> is she one of those? Is she an American like that? Does she know it? Or? No, no, definitely not. She just stands up for herself. Mama, you, you, Mama Bear. Mama Bear. My yeah. house. As you say, my, my house. house, yeah. And baby's here. <laughs> so girl. just as you said earlier. Mama Bear. Good, good, good for her. So good on her. Aaron said, if you give Danielle back the keys to the car so there's no hassle, she is the car, I'll tell her to give the passport. And that's what happened. Good man. Wow. So so your son had to negotiate a standoff between the cop shop and his good lady wife. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> she's having none of it. Good she's on having her. none of it, yeah. So <laughs> that's what happened originally. So why so many people, sorry, I know this is a bit of a bizarre question, but why so many cops? There was a load of cops around him arresting yeah. him. At, oh, was it, oh, did you say 0548? Yes, yeah, just before, before 6am. Just before six o'clock in the morning. Yes. How many cops surround oh. him on his way to work? There definitely was four or five armed response units, NYPD, Homeland Security. I don't think there was any, there was no members of the Armed response unit? What? Yeah, well, Any a pile driver going to work? This is very important too, to understand the American authorities and hopefully, as I would dearly love some of the, your American followers um, to just follow the American aspect of this case when we get into it, it's even more bizarre. But, they were fed a narrative that this is a dangerous man, a possible terrorist link, because when anyone mentions South Armagh, where we come from along the border, it's, I presume, it's something similar for... And particularly Cross McLen, right? Particularly Cross McLen. If you know the alleged history, and yes. I say alleged history, because we need to talk history, about that yes. another day. We need to talk about that another day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So they were, to all intents and purposes, Homeland Security, NYPD, the Armed Response Unit, Ace, they were there to arrest an animal, a crazy murderer. So we don't blame them in that respect. We now know the narrative that they that were they fed. Was, that they were told. So the, the, what year, this is 2018? May 2018, yes. So, this, so Aaron's been there, what, four or five years? Yeah, April, May, five yeah. years, yes, yeah. <laughs> so this crazed, deranged, lethal terrorist has been four or five years and they've never heard of him? No, 
He's busy pile driving, raising a family, doing normal things, yes. right? But we are so aware. dangerous. Yeah, and it did become aware <laughs> that someone in America was aware that Aaron was illegal in December 2018. Members of Garda Shiakona, it's only as the disclosure beco- becomes available to us that we find these legal papers, we find little snippets of information. So, And we know now that, that people following them, American agents, oh my word, so, uh, Laurel and Hardy operation. It's another podcast, but we'll get into, into that on another day. But they had, Amer- yeah, he was Mr. Brady, went to the football, they made up stuff about him. They were trying to make that the fact that he went and he was talking to people at a football game. They, these were American agents talking on a podcast here in Ireland. It was hilarious if it wasn't so serious. So I'm, I digress. I'm going away again. No, it's important because people need to hear this. People need to hear the human angle. Your videos are amazing. So just for those who are not aware of this campaign, particularly as Dirty Lime is, you need to get on to Justice for Aaron Brady. Justiceforaaronbrady.com is the website. But if you go to GooTube, which I rarely recommend, but in this particular instance, Tony's videos are there at Justice for, that's the figure for, Justice for Aaron Brady. Aaron's with two A's, people remember that. And if you can't find it, stick Justice for Aaron Brady 755 after it and it will get you directly there. I'm not saying there's any shenanigans going on, but I'm just saying if there's shenanigans going on, that's how you find it. And I will provide links under this uh, description so that you can just click straight through. Go watch the videos. Tony gets into the minutiae. He's very, very good at exposing obvious flaws in logic, let alone anything else. That's absolutely amazing. But here we've got the human story as well. We've got the kind of whole picture coming out of this young man plucked out of his new life and successful life in America under what seems to me completely false pretenses, some IRA terrorist nonsense. He's got nothing to do with that. That's, I mean, people my age would be like, the what? The what? Yeah, the we what? were kids. No, like, the, kids, the what? Yeah. Excuse me. And I'm a good deal older than Aaron, actually. Is he early 30s now? Early 30s, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm late 30s. So, like, you know, this is the IR what? No offence, but it's, what? Uh, like, this is, excuse me? Is yeah. that ISIS? We've moved on, haven't we? The narrative has moved on from that. Yeah, this seems like a very bizarre, old-school kind of uh, smear campaign from where I'm sitting. Yeah, well, definitely. The mainstream media, in some ways, linked him to other atrocities here in, in the north, other murders and different things close to the border, when he wasn't 12 or 13. But it was done in such a subtle way. But to put the name in with the event... And like anyone, any normal person reading it would link Aaron Brady with the mother of that young man when Aaron was only 12, 13 years of age. It's... I think you might have known about it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You and mum. You and mum. <laughs> Mama Brady would might have known about that. Yeah, he was like... more than people when he was 13. Yeah, it was just... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a joke. It is a joke, but it was, it's, it's not very funny though, is it? Yeah, how you mm-hmm. can do it, yeah, is amazing. So what happened? So he's been taken into custody. I mean, he must have been terrified. Like, did yeah. he have any inkling that this was related to the bank job lordship? Did he know? It? Or was he... Well, Because five he years was... later, you could be forgiven for being a bit confused about what the hell's going on, can't you? Yeah, well, he was more or less told right away. And again, this is something that happened and it has been denied by the authorities. But Aaron has sworn from day one, from the very first phone call we got from him, from the detention centre, he says, Daddy, they... The American agent, Mac Katsky, interviewed me about the murder of Detective Guard Adrian Donahue. Now, right, Aaron okay. was arrested and deported. Now, Aaron had the traffic offences. He went mad in a car one night in Dundalk after falling out with a girlfriend. He got arrested and he was going through the court process when he left Ireland. I should have told you that. 
So, That's but right. it just, so hang on, just, just let's slow that down. Yes, yeah. Is that post the tragic murder of Donahue? Yes, indeed. Right. But it's a traffic offence. It's a, civil a traffic offence, isn't it? Yes, yes, civil offence, yes. Like speeding or something? Or what was the official... It was a bit more serious than speeding. He was oh, okay. ra- racing the police, the guards, and they had to r- ram him to a halt. So he was... And why did they... Do, like, what was the official reason behind this? Was he? Did they pull him over because he was oh, speeding? Well, he was what, speeding what was the... round, round the town of Dundalk, and then they gave chase, and he hit a taxi, and... He also hit the police van, and he was arrested, and he was going through the court for that. But he okay, had cool. admitted he, admi- he had admitted to that. But that was part of the reason why they said he was being deported, which is not it's not oh, a interesting. You can't yeah. get deported for a no an aggravated traffic offence, can you? That's not that's nonsense. Well, the whole paperwork is still it's even <laughs> now. We're five years later on, Sarah. We're not a hundred percent sure, and it, it is very difficult just to get the paperwork. Why what's the background to the traffic offence? Sorry, just to cut in. What's the? Uh, was he deeply distressed about? Well, what was he was distressed, and he had taken some alcohol, and oh, little fecker was <laughs> driving around town with a friend. Free speech, yeah, free you speech, say what you like. yeah. So free, no, would, real free. Well, my podcast is protected in Texas for this very reason. Oh, uh, because right. I live, and you live in a liberal Western democracy, right, Tony? My podcast is actually offshore. That's how liberal Western and democratised our countries are. Yeah. Um, you can say whatever you like, my friend. You really can. Bless him. It's understandable. If you're in your 20s and you're under this kind of pressure, like men in their 40s wouldn't be able to deal with this. Yes, yeah. Let alone say, okay, whatever, so what? But you can't deport somebody over some kind of aggravated traffic offence, can you? That's not law. The whole thing is he, he, he was entitled to be deported because he was an overstay and okay. he was an illegal immigrant in the USA, in New York. But Tell that to the Texans on the Mexico border right now. Rule of law is he should have been deported to his country of origin, which was the United Kingdom. Uh-huh. But they made up the false, well, I'm not saying it's a false pass, a single sheet A4 passport and he was sent back to Dublin where he was arrested for the traffic offences. A cynic would say that's mighty convenient. Mighty convenient, yes, yes. So under law, he should have been deported to the UK, shouldn't he? Yes, that's the first thing. If that's what they're going to write. Yeah, that's his country of origin. And Aaron always said, and he says, Daddy, I promise you, and I hope the Americans now listening remember this name, Agent Matt Katsky from Homeland Security interviewed Aaron, his first interview in the detention centre, and they spoke about the murder of Detective Garda Adrian Donahue. Now, this was denied by the authorities, but, and when we're going through our... Do you know how to spell Katsky? Matt, M-A-T-T, and what, what's Katsky? Do you know? K-A-T-S-K-E. K-A- That's what I wrote. Yeah, Katsky. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't normally spell things right. K-A-T-S-K-E, right? E. 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 Oh, sorry, e for, Katsky. E, Katsky. e for echo, oh, yes, Katsky. yeah. Ah, oh, sorry. Sorry, being French, sorry. <laughs> yes, that's right, the I, that's the French I have pronunciation up. problems these days. <laughs> <laughs> Forever so. being criticised over here, because yeah. obviously the English pronounce everything wrong according to the French. Okay, cool. Yeah. So he's from day one, he knew that what this was about, because that's what yes. the content of that initial uh, interrogation was about. Was about, yes. The murder of Adrian Donoghue. Donoghue, uh, Guardian yes, Guardian Adrian yeah. Donoghue, yes. So there was, no, there was really no ambiguity. But because, again, of the official and the official 
actions that should have been taken and the legal aspects of it, they weren't really entitled to do that. So they've, and they've the cheated their own laws. They've oh, yes. Oh. Their own, they've cheated their own rules, haven't they, basically, is the bottom yeah. line of this. Anyway. It's the bottom line of it, yeah. Jeez. So what happens next? So uh, he gets extradited uh, back to Dublin. Back to Dublin, and he is sentenced then for the traffic offences. He's sentenced to... I never can remember that, and I have a lot of information. I can never remember these a correctly. Traffic offence. Yeah, he was sentenced in prison for twelve months, which is highly, highly unusual. This is the sort of thing that would be happening in towns on a regular basis. But nevertheless, he was sentenced, and they actually brought it back to court. They appealed it. The prosecution appealed it, and got him sentenced to another six months. So he got extra. So he got. He got. Oh wow! He got eighteen instead of twelve. Yes. Yeah. For daring to appeal. Yes. No, Aaron, wow. Aaron didn't appeal it. The prosecution appealed it because they were putting so he, together, yes, after 10 oh, years. wow. How does that, I didn't realize I that, I didn't know that was possible. Oh, it is possible. The prosecution are entitled to appeal the leniency of a sentence. Wow. Goodness me. But they got what they wanted, they, the first time. Yes. Why yeah. are they appealing it? They're appealing the fact they won. Yes, the appeal. didn't win enough. Didn't win enough. So, wow. Well, let me just cut in here because Brits, uh, especially English people, are a little bit stuck up about this. But um, just to give kind of a bit more balance to quote unquote traffic offences, people in this country regularly drink a skinful at lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> so, for example, and I'm not joking here, this lunchtime I happened to see a guy at the local restaurant. He took a half pint of beer. He then drank 750 millilitres of rosé on his own. He had a big lunch. A nice lunch, a nice lunch. He had a nice lunch. But then he's off driving government machinery in the afternoon. Now, I'm not judging you, but it's definitely over the legal limit. (laughs) But he knows he's not going to get stopped, right? So, but they do this every day. This is not unusual. This is not a, they're called white van man cafes. Not to be offensive, it's just what they are. You pay like 10, 15, these days it's about 15 euros, about 10, 12 quid. You get three courses and you get half a carafe. And if you pay a couple of extra euros, you get three quarters of a carafe, a 7.50. And if you buy your little uh, aperitif, which is a half a pint of beer or whatever you want, a pastis, <laughs> that's quite a lot of alcohol at lunchtime. And all of these people, if they were stopped, would be over the drink like drive limit here in France. But there's a kind of unwritten rule that they don't stop people for that because it's part, quote unquote, part of the culture here. In UK and in England, we'd be scandalised by this drinking at lunchtime territory. So that's one thing. So I just want to kind of highlight that there's plenty of people who are kind of zealots about drink driving, or like you must put this in context of yeah, oh, well, wider Europe at least. Yeah, well, he um, shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. Like that is wrong. It's wrong what he was at, and that's it. You're right to say that. Yeah, you're right to say that. But what I want to point out to the listeners is it's very easy to pay, oh, this is a criminal, oh, he's a drink driver, oh, he's the messy, oh, he's the... Hang on a minute, let's put that in context of wider Europe and first world modern democracies, well, Uh, (laughs) so-called democracy. (laughs) Sorry about that. Uh, It's what they say, not not what I say. But I'm just trying to kind of, I'm not, and I respect you for calling me out on trying to legitimise that. Morally, I'm not. But I am trying to point out that this is not unusual behaviour in many, many parts of Europe. Yes, yeah. Like, this is not, special i'm saying this to kind of combat the fake news media narrative that this is an exceptional case that this is it's not at all this is a young man under extreme duress extreme duress extreme pressure doing some okay stupid stuff i do stupid stuff without the extreme duress okay but this time i'm not under and obviously it, it allowed the media to make a of course a big deal out make of it. Hay of yeah 
the driving offences and they made the mo- they definitely made the most of it. But who gets extradited on driving offences, Tony? Who? Yeah, well, he who? he would have been entitled to be deported anyway because he was an illegal overstay. But as to, mm-hmm. but the problem they had with that was he should have been deported to his country of England. origin, which was the UK. And I just had to check the phone there. I've made a mistake on the date. He was actually arrested in 2017. Okay. 2017. Right. Sorry, because we're going to move into 2018 now. Go Apologies. for it. Let's go. Yeah. No, it's a great segue. Go for it. Yes. That's what they say these days. <laughs> yes. oh, what a segway. fabulous segue. Segway. Let's do the segue thing. I don't know what that is particularly, but they all say it. So go ahead. <laughs> Let's segue into, <laughs> into the next year. Go ahead. <laughs> so he was in prison then for the driving offences. And on release, he was released in February 2000 and, is it 18 or 19, Lorraine? 19, isn't it? Yeah. He was released in February 2019. We got a, I got a phone call from Aaron. I was actually down in Northern Ireland. He says, I'm being released now in an hour. And I'm being released now on a Sunday evening, late Sunday evening. And I says, well, we'll get someone to Dublin immediately to get you. And as he came out of prison and he was walking up through the car park, he was surrounded by SUVs and on Garda Corner, and he was arrested. Arrested again? He was arrested for the murder of Detective Guard Adrian Donoghue. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right, if he was in prison, why didn't they just... The day before, they could have just done papers to keep him there, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have a big... Why did, so this is a staged... Oh, oh. Sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth, but this sounds to me like oh, a staged event. Completely Because staged, why would you yeah. bother? If a criminal's in prison, an alleged criminal or whatever, they're in prison because they've been convicted of this. Yes. If something else comes to light, they don't even get arrested again. They just get dragged into like a virtual court hearing yes. and they just get done for the next thing, don't they? Whilst they're yeah. still in prison. Yeah, oh, he was put on the ground, jeeps round him, and a number of <sighs> Detective Reedy, Detective Pat Murray, they were all there. And Was there any media there, fake news media there? No, nothing. They were all waiting on dock. This was the prison in Dublin, and then there was a convoy of vehicles took him to uh, Dundalk Yard Station, where he was questioned for seven days. And okay. for those seven days, it was... he's done what he should have done in the beginning he said no comment which was very lucky uh-huh. yeah so no comment and he was charged on the following so Sunday he learned so- sorry but he learned something in the nick then didn't he he learned something <laughs> yes yes don't be on it people who are decent and honest get screwed over in this world yes, because yeah. this world is corrupt and god bless him it took him a, a stint in jail for some traffic bs but uh he learned yes. something, didn't he? Yeah, he definitely did. So then scumbags. he was a scumbag. So he was arrested State and charged scumbags. then on the following Sunday. And uh, after the seven days of questioning, it took a week. After the seven to... days, yes, to question him. So he gave with no comment for a week and then they charged him? Yes. Yeah, great. Because <laughs> they learned loads in that. In the time that he was going, no comment, no comment, no comment. Obviously, yeah, they learned loads, didn't they? And the main Shit. thrust of their prosecution was at that stage, we'll come back to America now, is that some people had come forward in America, come forward, come yeah. forward, to say that Aaron Brady had said that he had shot a cop. So these witnesses came forward, and this Just is why it's again. important going they back They came to, forward saying that he said he He won. said, yes, yeah. No, I know what you said, but say it again. They said he said. They said he said. In alcohol, in alcohol was mentioned in all these situations that Aaron they said, had, yes. Didn't say it. Yes, they said. They that said he, he said what? He said he shot a cop. I'll just stop you there. 
Right, ladies and gentlemen, let's be a human being. Let's pretend for a single moment that you have shot a cop, right? For whatever reason, maybe you had a good one. It's not for me to judge. But if you had shot a cop, eh, do you think you'd be telling somebody down the dog and duck, I shot a cop? Do you really think you'd be doing that? I know it's a Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. I know you're tired. You've had a busy Saturday night. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> and uh, yes. I'm in my pulpit and I'm bashing your head against the wall, as usual. But guys, can you just put yourself in the human element? For a... We're always discouraged from doing this, but let's just think, be a human being. I shot a cop. I had a good reason, man. I'm telling yes. you I had a good reason. Anyway, I shot a cop and then I go to the pub and I tell everyone at the dog and duck or the drum and monkey that I shot a cop. Do you think I... If I was smart enough to shot, shoot a cop and get away with it to that moment, do you think I'm... Dumb enough to then go around and tell everyone I did it like that. Really? Are you serious? Yes. Are you serious? You cannot be serious. I'm so I'm sorry. For me, this is what sucked me into this case originally. I'm like, yeah. they said he did what? I didn't know about you and I didn't know about any of this story, but I'm like, a human being, what? They said he, he did allegedly he did this and then he did what? No, no, I'm sorry. If you shot if you shoot anybody, but especially a cop, you shot your gob, don't you? Yeah. And it was... Convenient. 101. Yeah. Shut your gob. Sorry to be so blunt, but I, I don't get that. I'm a human being. I don't get it. And the star witness, Daniel Cahill, an Irish man living in New York, was an illegal immigrant. And on the day he made a statement, he was caught with steroids, cannabis. He had real connections to a terrorist organisation here in Ireland. And he still, to this day, remains in New York. And indeed, he's a partner and owns a bar in New York. And he's an illegal immigrant still. An illegal, well, he's got his green card. That was sorted out. He gave us, That was the deal, right? That was the deal. He gave us evidence via video link from a Homeland Security office in New York because Aaron's trial was the only trial ongoing in Western Europe during covid and Daniel Cahill was allowed to give evidence from an office in New York, video evidence. And he laid and he laid and he laid. And My we... listeners are going to want to stab me for this because I should not interrupt you here. But I have to slow this down at this yes. moment because what you've just said is not a glib statement. It's not a boast. It's not a brag. It's the only case in Western Europe of any great significance that is ongoing during covid just let me ask, because I'm not 100% sure. I tried to check this out, but I, I didn't get it. Was there a jury or just a bunch of judges? This was a ju um, jury, 14-person uh, jury. So were they socially distanced in the court? And I'm not being a cow asking that. I'm just curious. <laughs> they actually took over a body of the court and put uh, seven on the floor with spaces between them. And then what did 12 normally says. So they were a socially distanced jury. Socially right? distanced jury. But, but many of the... <laughs> Key witnesses, whether defence prosecution appeared via video link video rather link. than in person. Is that right? Yes. So you now could... this is a problem for me because going somewhere in person and standing there Facing takes your kahunas. Yes. Facing if you're a witness to something, unless you're prepared to stand there in person with members of the public, the jury, the person who is accused, and all of the whole shebang, then I'm sorry, your witness statement's not worth anything. Speaking to a camera, as I'm doing now and as you're doing that, that, that's nothing. That's nothing, man. I speak to a camera four or five times a week. It's nothing. Standing there in front of 12 people you don't know, the jury, judges, the court reporter, the clerks of the court, random members of the public, 
That's a different matter. That's a different standard. It's a different level. But these people, these, the star witness, and this is the star witness. The star witness. What was his yeah. name? Cahill. What's his first name, sorry? Daniel Cahill. Daniel Cahill, right? C-A-H-I-L-L. Right, okay. So this is the star witness. He was found with steroids. I just call them all drugs, whatever. He was found with drugs on him. He's an illegal immigrant, and this is the star witness. Guys, this is not the bishop. This is this is this is not somebody who's a you know a twenty year head teacher of good standing. This is a druggie. This is an illegal druggie in NYC. He's the star witness against Aaron in a murder trial, a capital murder trial, and he appears by video link and not in person. Like, what's the? Re- I'm sorry to be thick, but why is he not appearing in person for this trial? Oh, nobody could travel because of COVID. And he was. Why don't we postpone uh, he, the trials till after COVID then? No, they were. They, they knew we were getting the information. <laughs> we were starting to correlate. And Daniel Cahill left Dublin in 2012. His legs were stabbed on numerous occasions because of his involvement with drugs gangs and the real IRA in Dublin. It's it's just a a branch of a branch of as we know what the IRA. They were involved in, in criminality in North Dublin. Gotcha. And just very briefly for those people in America, for anyone, another American agent called Mary Ann Wade who gave evidence couldn't tell us exactly, but we we assume they arrived at his house on Sterling Avenue in Woodlands at approximately 6.30 a.m., 7 a.m. Mr. Cahill told us he heard the door knocking. He left his bed. He was in bed with his girlfriend, naked, ran up the stairs and hid in an attic for six hours. Now, we have NYPD, Homeland Security, an immigration removal officer, an armed response unit, and members of Angarda Siakona are standing at a premises for six hours. Now, Mr. Cahill wasn't being arrested. He wasn't under any duress as such, as far as we knew. And we, we were fed this story in court that he hid in an attic with naked and the temperature, this was the 19th of July, 2019. The temperature that day at that week was in the high 20s, low 30s in New York and those fiberglass insulation in the roof. He would have been eaten alive. Now, the reason for this, Sarah, just so I continue on, the reason he's the... Authorities arrive at 6 a.m. in the morning. He's not booked into 115 15th Precinct until 13.45. So there's a six-hour gap for a 15-minute drive. And it is our contention, and I, I will say this, Daniel Cahill was sitting in an SUV or possibly an office somewhere with the Irish Garda, and he was told, you tell us Brady said this with drinking him, or you're going back to Dublin or we're going to do you for the drugs here in America. But if you go back to Dublin, someone's going to kill you because of what you're a part of. And we know that this was done because we have had other people come forward to us who was given the opportunity. Well, if you told us this person said this, we'll say on the drink in a pub, pub, we let you stay here in America. And people who refused to tell lies were deported. I know it's a lot of information, but that's what happened. The problem I have, the problem I have is that your star witness, the official narrative of the star witness is he hid in the attic for six hours. Yeah. (laughs) That's the official version. 
this is your star wit. This is this is the best you could come up with. Or not, not a head teacher of a local primary school, or not somebody who's who served forty years as a, as a loyal postman, or an like, office worker. This, this yeah. is the best you can come up with. This this guy who allegedly led it, hid in an attic when it was very very hot. Totally, this is non. It's complete. It's obviously complete hokum, and it's not. How, how can you? A star witness has got to be a star witness. Yes, a star They've witness. They've got to be of exceptional character. Yes. They can't be a druggie, an illegal immigrant and a druggie, and somebody who allegedly hid for six hours when the cop shop showed up. This is, this is just not, not, there's no way. I don't understand how a jury of real people, and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody who was on yes, this jury, yes, but how are, you, how are you buying that this is an upstanding member of society? Like, having a witness isn't, isn't a high standard of evidence. It's who is that witness? Where have they come from? What is their standing? Like, am I going to take? Am I going to take information? Like, am I going to take criticism from the lady at the bus stop about my maths lessons? No, I'm freaking not. She's the lady at the bus stop. Am I interested in the head of GCSE mathematics examinations in the UK having issues with my maths lessons? I'm going to have to listen to that guy. I might not like it, but I have to listen to him because he's somebody who knows about mathematics education, and I have to accept that. Yes. This druggie who's an illegal immigrant who hides in the attic allegedly for six hours when it's, you know, baking hot, whatever, naked, whatever. Like, that's your star witness. That is the state's star. I'm sorry, Tony, but I am struggling. That's the star witness. That's the best you could do. And that's, this was what really upset Aaron the most through everything we've been through. And it's still funny he mentioned it not so long ago. Aaron took the stand, which is highly unusual in, in any sort of serious crime or murder trial. Aaron, it's not Aaron advised, took the stand. right? It's not advised. But Aaron, we all wanted Aaron to take the stand and tell Lesson. tell his story. And Lesson. what really, really upset him is he says, I cannot believe that those people in the jury believe that bastard over me. And that was always Aaron. That of all the shenanigans and the coercion, collusion misrepresentation of time, CCTV, of everything that went on, that was Aaron's base point, that the people of the jury believed him instead of Aaron. But it was very, it was so well choreographed, Sarah, it's very hard to, yeah. And to give some context uh, as regards the evidence, Aaron's trial was due to start on the 8th of October 2019. We had eight books of evidence, which is roughly half a ream of paper. And there was a lot of... For, uh, for dumb people, like, can you give us like a, a ream's a bit? A ream, oh these yeah. Days? Sorry. Give me like, a folder what's that in English? Like, like a lever arch file or give, give us some sort of... A, a lever arch that, file, yeah. Is that even close? Is that, is that a ream or is that half a ream? Here's one here now. This is oh, something bless. like God a, bless you. Uh, guys, for those of you who can't see video. Oh, you can't uh, see the video. Oh, you now can see yeah. I'll, I'll describe it. That, that's the, it's a half of... Holy uh, schmucks. So that's Book of Evidence. That's that's, that's a lot, guys. Volume, volume lot of, two, yeah. It's so, a very lot of reading, ladies and gentlemen. It's more reading than you would even do on Facebook. So there you go. <laughs> it's a lot. We had eight of those on oh. the 8th of October. Okay. Yes. By the time... 19, yeah. 2019 now. 2019. So by the time the trial started in January 2020, we had over 50. Whoa. Whoa. Hang on. 80. Whoa. All buried. From 1 to 20? 
You said 50. 50, five, zero. You actually said 50, didn't you? Yes, yeah, five, five, zero. My tiny brain couldn't comprehend more than 20 from, from one. Yes, yeah. Oh, wow. There's over a million sheets of paper, thousands of hours of CCTV footage, and there's no evidence against Aaron. Let's get stuck straight into that. Go ahead. Yes, yeah. So that's a really good place to, to, to hit now. Hit give, now. Us the evid- give us the evidence that is against Aaron. Aaron. Give us the whole prosecution narrative. Give, give us what they've got against your son. Son, right. If, if you don't mind, Sarah, I do want to introduce Matt Katsky again, just in relation to Daniel Cahill, the Homeland Security officer was involved in interviewing Aaron when Aaron was arrested. He was involved with Daniel Cahill. He was involved with other people. If you watch the videos who told lies, yes. who are criminals, illegal immigrants. But Matt Katsky approached... Matt Katsky was an American attaché attached to the London uh, Embassy, London, United States Embassy in London. He approached Jimmy Flynn, who was Aaron's friend, in a Belfast airport and offered him immunity and green cards for his family. Jimmy Flynn is the Jimmy who's OCD, just to go back to the, sorry, I'm just tying things up. Don't mean to interrupt you, carry on. The OCD guy. OCD yes. Jimmy, yes. And him. Offered, yep. him, offered him immunity from everything. You can walk away from this, Jimmy. You'll never hear from us again. Just give us Brady. <sighs> and Jimmy's now wife, then girlfriend, actually recorded the conversation. And during yes. Aaron's trial, Judge Michael White refused to allow that into evidence on, on two occasions. On he, said, he said it wasn't relevant. It's not relevant that she's recorded somebody saying, you do this and we'll give you that. What? Sorry, am I being retarded? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's very hang hard on, to slow, comprehend slow, slow. this. <laughs> Tony, you know, you know this, you've been there, you understood it. Just give us that one more time, just because even I think I don't get this. Yep. Sorry. So Matt, Matt Katsky is the central role here. He's an American agent with Homeland Security very heavily involved in the investigation in relation to the murder in America. He was the liaison officer between Dublin and New York and Boston. The stateside outreach of the murder of Adrian Donnelly. That's correct. Yes, he was the outreach. He was the go-to person. He's the guy that side of the pond. He's their guy that side of the pond. And again, we have asked people, but uh, we have contacted on numerous occasions the American Embassy in London. We've asked them for questions. If any of your listeners are listening, please drop them a text or an email and ask them, is it true what the Bradys are saying? Did an American agent go to a suspect, offer that suspect immunity from a crime in a different jurisdiction if they give us any information in respect of Aaron Brady, whether it be true or false. Let's set up the links for that. We'll talk after this and let's put the links in the chat so people can just click on it and, and contact Click on it, yeah, send the links, yeah. Let, let's make that clickable. We'll do that afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Why not? It's about time. So this is... This is unbelievable. No, no wonder you know people are struggling with with this because it, it's just so incredible that the amount of information, the the, yes. the complexity, the the characters involved. There's way way too much of this, and my problem is I can't get around their star witness. I'm, but that's me locked on that. You crack on from where you were. You you you're doing a great job. You, you crack so, on. and anyone can if they go to uh, the YouTube channel, 
we have correlated them in such a way that it's all about the American aspect and the different aspects of the case. So, yes, yeah, so guys, you can. So if you go to Justice for Aaron Brady, Justice for that's the figure for the figure number four, four Justice yeah. for Aaron Double A guys, Aaron Brady B R A D Y. If you go there on on, on YouTube, you can. You, if, and then if you search within that section on Justice for Aaron Brady, you can find. They've been hashtagged quite well. You can find what you're looking for if you're looking yes. for the American angle. You can check these videos out. And if you're struggling, uh, uh, type in at Justice for Aaron Brady 755. That's at Justice Figure 4, number 4, Aaron, double A, A-A-R-O-N, Brady, B-R-A-D-Y 755. And you'll be able to then select for yourself which, which, which sections of videos you wish to watch. They're all brilliant, but they're very detailed. Like they're These are like evidence videos. These are like detective standard. I bet you never thought you'd end up being a, a real detective, did no, you, No, it's not something that... In, in your I, life, I didn't think that was something you were, it, were planning on. It wasn't but, um, an objective I ever had, no, no. But it, he's done a cracking job, and, and you can really see that this is not actually... Investigating stuff isn't actually that complicated. And what's interesting no. is how the state have failed, apparently, to do a proper job, and I will let people judge themselves. Go to the videos, guys. Like My listeners are, are really smart people, Tony, these guys will want to go and check out the evidence for themselves. The sorts of people, these people won't even listen to me, and I'm really glad about that. They listen to my podcast, they don't believe a bloody word I say, and good for them. They go and check it out, and, and that's why I love my people. And any questions, please send any question to us, and if anyone does happen to follow the campaign, well, you you'll answer see, them, don't you? We do, we answer Again, all questions, yeah. There was that, um, am I going to say wrong? Was it, was it big, big balls? Or, big there stones. There so many reasons. Big stones. I oh, was rude, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you see what I was thinking? But, uh, some guy, some YouTube commentator, I don't even know who he is, I don't think he's got no. his own channel, but anyway, some guy just commented on the Justice Round Brady channel, Big Stones, and uh, he had a question. And Tony, is, he's made a video to address the question and show the evidence. And, sh- and these people are really engaging with, with their audience and actually answering questions. So g- go to the YouTube channel, guys. It's got a very, very low number. It's only got several hundred and it should have like tens if not hundreds of thousands of subscribers and i know you hate youtube but do us a favor help tony and help aaron out and and, and this great family why don't you make a fake email address and why don't you subscribe under your fake email address then you're not giving any information to youtube and google you know but but give it give these people support that other people are more encouraged to listen if there's a bigger number of subscribers and that shouldn't be the case but unfortunately it is so please guys go and go and make it go and make a made up email address and go and subscribe and watch the videos there that then nobody's collecting data on you but you can get the information and it lends your number your your numerical support to the campaign because people more people will be attracted if there's a bigger i was shocked when i saw how low the figures were given the detail of your your videos and the evidence i i can't this is the biggest case well i i'm not a legal expert but this has got to be one of the biggest cases in ireland ever Yes, um, definitely and certainly is, in, yeah. in kind of sort of modern Western demo- democracy Moxie. law, this is crazy. It's a crazy case. It's a basket case. And people should be up in arms. People should be down there with pitchforks and, and torches at the jail I... demanding Aaron's <laughs> release, in my opinion. And of course, I'm not inciting anybody to do that because I live in a liberal Western democracy. However, like if all things being just, that is what would be taking place right now. Yes. Yeah. And I, I urge you guys, go make a fake GooTube account. And please go and lend your support and go and watch these videos because Tony's amazing at the, the, the sections of evidence he's analysed. And he's even used another case that is related to feed into his son's case. But I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yes, you sir. crack on back where we were because, um, you know, you're, you're doing a grand job of explaining exactly what, you know, what's going on here. So, Aaron, we went to court. So I suppose if we take, if I take you through the murder scene and what happened, 
one, the evidence feeds into the facts as 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 we go through it. So Detective Gowd Adrian Dunner, who was shot with a shotgun, and the man who shot him was six foot one or six foot two tall. We know this from the evidence of his partner, Detective Joe Ryan, who was looking directly at the, the gunman approach from the driver's side. So the driver, Detective Joe Ryan, is looking directly at two gunmen, so he has perspective. The gunman with the shotgun is six foot one or two. The gunman with the handgun is five foot seven. And this is borne out by very poor quality CCTV imagery, but we can see that one man is much taller than the other. The credit union worker sitting in her Jeep waiting at the gate, which is blocked, says the man with the long barrel was long and athletic. My son, Aaron Brady, is five foot seven. And at that time, he was short and pudgy. Ever since the day he oh, was... Oh, you can't say pudgy. You, you, you wicked man. <laughs> How sister... dare you say pudgy? He can't defend himself. He was pudgy. Listen, I, You'd someone, want to see the shape he's in plumpy, now. Yeah. As somebody who's been called plumpy, I, I fully identify with, with pudgy. My grandmother called me plumpy once. I wasn't very happy about that. She was right, though. You're spot on. I'm just going to stop this because there's a fantastic image that people might not have seen, especially my listeners. Wonderful image that's been released by you guys where it's a picture of Tony, dad, Aaron's son, and your good lady wife. Uh, is Caroline, it Caroline? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she's five foot two. Yes. Ish. Your son is five seven. Yes. You're five eleven. Yeah, I used to be six right? foot. I used to be six. I'm shrinking. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. He's 5'11 now, guys. And the murderer is six foot one. And if yes. you look at the red lines drawn, you will see for yourself. It's not just about the height. It's about the build of the man, the build Everything, of the yes. entity. You can look, for goodness sake, guys, look at a jockey. Look at a jockey, then look at Eddie Hall, the, formerly the world's strongest man, right? It's not just the height of the guy, it's the overall sizing that goes with that. Endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph, whatever. Just look. Use your eyes and just look. And I have to say that as a detective, Detective Joe Ryan, this is not PC plod, ladies and gentlemen, it's a detective. This detective has identified the guy with the long barrel, the shotgun at 6'1", and the guy with the handgun at 5'7", did you say? Yes, 5'7". Right, so this detective, it's not like me guessing on the heights of men. To me, everyone's tall. I'm five foot, yes. I'm like your wife. I'm yes. five foot one and three quarters. I'm basically not even five foot two. So everyone, I just say, oh, they were tall. But you might be five foot eight and tall to me because I'm, yes, I'm yes, so yeah. small, right? So yeah. I, I have no, I'm not good at that. It's like, well, they're above my head height, so they're tall. Yes. Obviously, right? But this is a detective. He's trained. He's trained to remember number plates. He's trained to remember colors. He's trained to remember times, he knows heights, he knows distances, spatial awareness. They have training. This isn't Mrs. Bloomsbury Barton or Mrs. Bigglesworth, who's a a post office um, client, who's guessing on the height (laughs) of some guy who jumps in with a mask and a gun. This is a bloody detective, someone who is trained in these things. The guy who is trained in these things, say the guy, says the guy that shot Detective Adrian Donahue was six foot one. Six foot one or six foot, son- or six foot two. Like or six, six foot one plus, right? Six foot one Six foot one or bigger. Or bigger. Or bigger. Or more. Yes, bigger. or more. Cro- yeah. Big crocodile. Right? Yes. How, how tall is your son, Tony? Five foot seven. Oh dear. Can anybody see a problem with this picture? Even I can't mistake five foot seven for six foot one and I'm just short. 
I'm classified as short. And it's very important to to imagine that the two gunmen are standing together, so there's actually perspective. So yeah. if if we move Aaron into the position of the gunman at five foot seven, who is six or seven inches taller than the man with the handgun, it means the raider with the handgun was a dwarf. Excuse the body. He, he would or officially vice versa. If you take five seven as six one, yeah, you've got some seven footer, haven't you? As the other guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. <yeah>, so <laughs> it's completely bonkers. It's, We're it's talking completely. about Space Jam. We're talking about, yes. you know, the BFG, the big friendly joint. This is nonsense. It's complete nonsense. Complete and utter nonsense. And, and I have to say, of all the images, and your campaign has brought out fantastic images, of all the images that, that, that really got me, it was that one with the red lines, your, the murderer's height, your height, your son's height, and your wife's height. And I just went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do ballistics, is there any ballistics? Does it not help us? Or is, is there anything that... No, there's absolutely no... No physical evidence against Aaron. There's but no DNA. It can't DNA. have been a midget, though, because then the, the bullet would have bullet, been at a different angle, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> So it can't have been the, digit, the, the midget version. Trajectory, there's all those issues. And I presume if if it would have been suitable to the prosecution, trajectory, they may have used it. But, but it doesn't help them, so they've hidden it, is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Because I don't mean to be funny about this, but with ballistics, you should be able to tell the height of the person. Yes, that 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 shot the gun, right? Yeah, the trajectory. That isn't the, complicated, the, is it? That's maths, isn't it? No, I'm not sure. No, it may be more difficult, Sarah, because it's it may be difficult because of gunshot. It's it's uh, pellets. It's not a bullet. Ah, yes, I see. It's not a yeah. revolver. It's, it's a, not yeah, a revolver. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So fair enough. I suppose having fair looked enough. at that, there is the possibility of getting trajectory because it. Just spreads. Look how fair you are. Look how balanced you are, even in these despicable circumstances. You're, you're, you're way more balanced than I am. I mean, You've got yes. a right to be one side and I don't. But the detective angle's right, isn't it? Like, he would yes. know about heights. He's, tra- he's trained to Nearly 30, look and see... 30 years' you know, experience give descriptions. along the border, yeah. The, give descriptions of, of, of a man's ethnicity, their features, their hair colour, their eye colour, their height, their, their build, what they're wearing. They're trained for that. Do you remember that stuff, aren't they? Yes, oh yeah, that would be part of their everyday activities, yeah. particularly gotcha. along the border. Gotcha. He would have walked along the border here when there would have been a high security risk. Oh, that, this that is Detective time, Joe the, Ryan, right? Yeah, Detective Joe Ryan, yes. And he so he's can, not a kiddo, he's, he's got experience. Oh, he's got experience. He was along the border for several years and he would have been involved in along the border here when it was high security, high risk. So yep. gotcha. uh, when, yeah, when, the, when there was it. people running around with guns. So, yeah, he He'd would have been be, there, right? Yes, he was aware. So this is a guy who's been trained in, I don't want to say like battlefield conditions, but I'm trying to give the sense of this is someone with real world, real danger experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not a, he's not wet behaviour. He's not a PC plod straight out of the college, is he? No, the training that, college. Most no. certainly gotcha. not. No. Gotcha. So we Thank have you. him, we have the CCTV footage and the credit union worker confirmed that the man who shot Detective Guard Adrian Donahue was long and lanky, long and athletic, which just simply is an Aaron. It's just simply not. And and Tony has said his son. Sorry, Aaron. Yeah, they, yeah. He said his son was, you know, not that tall and, and punchy. I can rectify that. that now. He's an absolutely <laughs> an athlete. Athlete he's in now. Shape. He's, he's in, in shape. fantastic yeah, shape so. at the minute, yeah. But the, the point being that, you know, this is very, very honest and Tony that he's not his son's not lanky. 
No. His son's not long and, and, and tall. He's not six, and it's six foot one and five foot seven. Even I can't get that wrong, and I'm, I'm a dwarf yes. virtually, virtually. That's just an outrageous, and out, it's not even a mistake at that point. That's just completely no. laughable. Yeah. And this is what we're saying, guys that the guy, the person who shot this detective, the person who shot and murdered this detective, Adrian Donahue, was six foot one. Who says so? Not the lady at the post office, a bloody detective, an experienced detective called Joe Ryan, Detective Joe Ryan from Angarda Giacona, says the guy who did the murder was six foot one. The guy who's serving currently a minimum tariff of 40 years in an Irish jail is five foot freaking seven. And I don't care, like this guy's, you know, like Hercules now, he's got muscles, but he's still only five seven, right? Yes, yeah. The muscles are different to being punchy, but yeah. <laughs> you don't get taller, do you? I know no. this from my sports career. It's unfortunate, but it doesn't matter what you do, you don't get taller, ladies and gentlemen. No. It's, this is just beyond, this is basic. This is this is like not even Sherlock Holmes, because no. this wouldn't be an interesting case, would it? It's not even interesting. Wrong height, the end, next story. Like, this is re- yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't involve Dr. Watson here whatsoever. There'd be no consultation. No. My, my husband is, you know, Dr. Watson light, and, you know, even he gets like, just no, like, no, no need for further explanation. And this goes back to what it, it, everything ties in, you know, everything fits properly when put together properly. Aaron allegedly saying in America, I shot the cop. That's the mistake the guards made with the Americans. They should have... I shot the sheriff, but I did not shoot the deputy, deputy right? yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what they, what they <laughs> should have done in America. I don't want to be telling the guards their job, but they should have said, got these people to say, Aaron Brady said, I was there when the guard was shot. Of course. It would have been more realistic. But more realistic. Got a chance then. You so might me. The, the very starting point of this whole thing is a farce. And it is difficult. I, I know we laugh about it, we joke about it, I talk about it all the it's time. It's not funny. But it's, 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 not just, it's, it's just so hard to comprehend. And Joe Ryan was back for the case of Jimmy Flynn and Brendan Trainer in, I think it's the 17th of February this year. And he confirmed again on the road, the man who shot his colleague was over six foot one. Okay, brilliant. Just let's for people. So this, ca- this second case is actually not... Although it is germane in some respects to Aaron's case, this is a separate case. Yes, this is a yeah. case about armed robbery. Robbery, yes. And, not and you've got Jimmy, OCD Jimmy. Yes. And Brendan. Brendan Trainer, yes. Okay, so these are the guys who allegedly were involved in this hold-up, this heist, this bank job at the, the Lordship Credit Union. However, however, this same detective, Detective Joe Ryan, has again been in court on the official record saying that the height of the gunman was six foot one. Well, the guy who's been convicted of the murder, a.k.a. the alleged gunman, is five foot seven, boys and girls, please, please. Like, I, I, I can't, I don't know how you've held yourself together so well, you and your family, Tony, because I'm doing my biscuit and I, because I can't get around, I, I'm a mathematician, I'm not a good one, I'm just a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a kid's, I'm a great maths teacher, but I'm not, a, I'm not a special mathematician, I'm not like a, a rocket scientist, I'm no Stephen Hawkins, I'm not a genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I can't understand how this is not understood. Six foot one and five foot seven is even different to a five foot two person. Yeah. Like even I can see the difference, even yes, I yeah. get that difference, and I'm not even trained in that, and I'm especially biased because I'm so short. Yes, yeah. So, and even I'm not going to get confused by that. And that's, this is just, and that's not the, there's way more. Oh, there's way more. That's technical what, that's evidence what, problems. Yeah. But this is, to me, this is the simple one. This is the one yes. that the guy on the Clapham Omnibus yes. really would get. This is the one that's really freaking easy to get. 
wrong, not even wrong height. It's the wrong build, the wrong overall shape. Oh, shape. It's yeah. not just height. It's not just height. Look at sportsmen. Look at the differences yeah. between a jockey and an American football player. Look at a jockey and look at an American football player. Look at even a, a quarterback, the smaller American footballers, compare that with a jockey. Look at the difference in yeah. shape, not just size. Like it's, ah, oh, I don't know how you're how doing, do you doing it. This, I really yeah. don't. It's so, doing my brains in. That's number one at the model scene. Number two is, I explained earlier, the woman came from the other credit unions in her Jeep. She had the 70, 60 or 70,000 euro and she was parked at the gateway and the car pulled up in front to block the exit. So this was the fifth radar. And she said fifty over 50 times in a two-page statement, she used terms, she, whore, or she even said, what's this stupid bitch doing parking here in front of me? So there was a female driver of the getaway car. There's no ambiguity, no matter what way. Well, that explains why it went the wrong way around the roundabout. Oh, no, I've just said something offensive. I just said that explains why the car... <laughs> I've just said something very offensive. I'm going to go to jail for this. I've just said that... That explains why the getaway vehicle drove the wrong way around a roundabout, which you guys will hear about very shortly. Sure, yes. I, I would say I'm alleging that's because it's a female driver, but <laughs> obviously that's sexist, but I just said it. Yes. I... <laughs> so, like, there is no ambiguity. Well, fits. Yes. And <laughs> during the course of Aaron's trial, and now, see, everything is very complicated, but one does tend, one little bit tends to fit on top of another. Uh, Brendan Graham, the prosecution, said during the course of Aaron's trial, they actually named a girl who they sort of suggested, he was just putting it out in the air in the, in the courtroom, that could have been the female driver. But lo and behold, again, Aaron found that she would have been the girlfriend of one of Aaron's friends. She was in a hairdresser's in Dundalk and she was just walking out of the hairdresser's premises at the time the raiders were being dropped off for the modern robbery and she drove directly home she was one of the girls that was in the pixelated paper paper headlines way back in 2013 creating this whole fake narrative so we know for a fact that girl had nothing to do with the modern robbery she was in a hairdresser's got out into her car and events drove out the road, all on CCTV footage, and drove home. Tony, Tony, Tony. I'm sorry to inform you that all girls know that before you do a major bank job, you go to the hairdressers, hairdressers and get your yeah. hair done. Everyone, every, every oh, respected yeah. criminal yeah. knows that. Yeah. <laughs> You're just drawing attention to yourself. Everyone knows when your haircut is new. Yes. It is the haircut you normally have. Everyone knows when you've just been to the hairdressers. Everyone, even my husband goes, oh, have you been? Well, she was actually sitting in the hairdressers at the time of this whole operation was ongoing. <laughs> ongoing. Better. And then, which was really sickening, and this is the sort of thing we had to put up with, Sarah. There was another girl mentioned who was another friend of this Young gentleman, he was actually a footballer, was sort of mentioned and in the tabloids as well until everyone found out he was actually in the gym doing his workout all on CCTV. But his girlfriend... What kind of footballer? Is a he a proper one, sorry. That's proper, Gaelic football guys. Yeah, proper, proper footballer. Football, and his girlfriend, the prosecutor, Brendan Graham, the dirty bastard mentioned this girl's name. And at that time, that girl was going through chemotherapy. <gasps> it was so disgusting. 
But he I was, didn't know that this bit. Is, I missed this that. Is, this is what they were doing during the course of Aaron's trial. Oh. And in front of the jury... So they had to fill the They gang. had CCTV that he couldn't have been there because he was in the gym at the time. Oh, yes. Oh, Brendan Graham is fully aware, the senior prosecuting counsel oh. is fully aware of his peddling lays. And he was just... And, and they've done oh. it again in this recent trial. There's two other young men have been named, just plucking names out of the air, just making stuff up to go along. But it, it was very upsetting because that girl was going through a chemo at the time and... Well, she needs to get a copy of the Irish Light and learn about other options, but that's another story. Yes, isn't it? yeah. Ble- God bless her. That's outrageous. Yeah. So this is the sort of thing we had put up with, and Brendan Graham knew there was no gang. There is no gang that they can connect Taron Brady. There are no four other people, three other men and a woman that they can connect Aaron Brady. They don't exist. Their best efforts were in the gym at the hairdressers. And in and out of their own house at the exact same time. At the exact the same time, rate. yes. Yeah, exactly. There's three, three That's already. their best three efforts. Their That's best the three efforts. Best three efforts. And even these two young men now, as again, we'll come to that again. His car has been spotted, so we, we'll come to that later on. Number three in the at the mother scene, one of the raiders, as I explained, ran and did take money or take belongings to one of the credit union to, uh, workers, burned it woman volunteer working in the credit union took items of her and she said the man was roaring and shouting at her give us the fucking money give us the fucking money and she said she thought it was a Dublin accent and when she was being debriefed and given her statement to the police on Gardaí corner she was being actually interviewed by a Garda from Dublin and he shouted at her in his best Dublin accent give us the fucking money she said yes that's the man. That's it. That's it. There's no ambiguity about it. They did try to water it down a little. So there can be nobody with a Dublin accent linked to our son Aaron. Because obviously if you're part of a gang, you're getting involved, you're organising, preparing. Of course. Let's just hammer the accent thing for a second though, for dumb English people like me. Oh I, yes, I of actually, course. I, I've studied it, so I'm actually a bit better. If I'm yes. going to do Northern Irish, I'm going to copy Jimmy Nesbitt. Yes. And I, so I do, I have some idea of the difference, but the difference is stark, isn't it? It is quite, the, yes. These accents, so the North, it's fair to say this is a bit generic and I want you to yeah. correct me, but basically the Northern Irish accent is harsher, it's harder, it's tougher. Yes. The Dublin accent is softer, it's more gentle. Whether it's a man or a woman speaking, it doesn't actually yes. matter. You can hear a much more harsher, uh, more forceful tone. With It's why often baddies, are portrayed with Northern Irish accents. Yes, very, very... A bit like British people in, in American yeah. movies. Like the British people's the bad guy. Whereas the soft Dublin accent is yeah. a good guy. It's like the East Ender in... What do you call it? The, the East Enders, the London accent. So we'll say Aaron's friend are, friends are all Londoners with all London accents. And all of a sudden we have a radar from B- Birmingham. Aye, or a Scouser. Or a Scouser, yeah. The, right, the, a, Liver, a Liverpudlian. Right, yeah, exactly. They, they are more These are like, very, very different accents. Very different I, accents. Yes. My daughter's even giving I pick out to me. I was, I was going to say something nasty about Scousers and she stopped That's me. all right. That's <laughs> right. We're Man U fans here. You could, oh, Man, yeah, we're oh, Man U fans here. You can yeah. say it like... <laughs> so, I don't think any Scousers listen to me. But that, is, but that is the difference. So there's a marked difference. Yeah, It's Big not... difference in accent. Again, no yeah. ambiguity with it. And as we move on, the reason why that was so important, obviously we couldn't link 
anyone that had any contact via phone or otherwise with Aaron in the days leading up to the motor robbery or indeed Jimmy or Brendan, no Dublin influence whatsoever. And then, as you mentioned a little time ago, Sarah, we've just found out during the course of this 15-week trial that's just over, a, a, a car heading away from the robbery went around... And this is the, the horse box thing. The horse box thing. Just yeah. give us one sec. I'm desperate to come to the horse box thing and people yes. will be like, ooh, what's the horse box horse thing? Box thing. But yeah. first, just this second trial, just um, so Aaron... That was the murder trial. Just separate yes. these two trials and explain what the hell's going on with no, the second yes, trial. Yes. Because that, if, if you're not following it, that makes no Well, it doesn't make any sense anyway. But if you're not following it, where's this come from? Tell us that and then let's go to the horse box guy. Right. Which is brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of evidence. Aaron's friend, Jimmy, was arrested and Aaron's other friend, Brendan Trainer, were arrested. So this is OCD Jimmy, for o those of you who are, who are on track and keeping notes. Yeah. His mom's God gonna, bless Jimmy. His, Sorry, his, Jimmy, I said uh, yeah, that. His mom's going to give out to me for calling him OCD Jimmy, but he Jimmy, is. Jimmy, that's my fault <laughs> and uh, I respect you for it. We could, do, we could all do with a bit more of what you've got, son. Yes, yeah. We all could do with a bit more of that. Yeah, and Brendan Trainer were arrested and charged with the robbery. And we're also at Lordship Credit Union. The same night that Adrian Donoghue oh, was Oh, yes, was yeah, murdered. the same. Same event, the same. They tried to say that it was a separate trail from Aaron Brady, but Aaron Brady was mentioned every day. It was just, it, 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 it's just a farce. It was theatre. So these lads have been charged with armed robbery type offences, but not with accessory to murder or manslaughter no. or anything. So how can, if, so if a cop, especially a cop, if a cop dies during a robbery yes. that you're involved in, I'm sorry to say, guys, you'll get in the, the, the murder, you'll get murder, manslaughter, or yeah. accessory to murder added to your charge sheet. Whether you knew that was going down, whether that was planned to go down, or it's just an accident at the time. That goes on your sheet, doesn't it? Even if you're involved, even if you're involved in the periphery, we'll say getting the stolen car and giving it to someone and not even yeah. going near the scene of the modern robbery. So if I nick you a car still be, yeah. and I give you the keys to this nick car, and then you go and sit there while your mates do a robbery and someone dies, yes. I'm going to get done for that yes. as an accessory to murder, aren't That's I? That's correct. Because I nicked the car, yes. right? Yeah. And I didn't even know about the rest of it. Yeah. But that's how the law works, is it not? That's how it works. And then there's... But these lads, it's not on their sheet, is it's it? It's not on their sheet. And then they've put in a load of other burglaries, which is very, very weird. And we'll come to that as we go through the murder scene as well and the silence. Sure. And, that, and how that has sort of been woven into the fabric of the prosecution keep going it's, this is just unbelievable like I, I said to you uh, off air a while back last week that this is just unbelievable this is why people think we're crazy this is why people because this stuff is just so it's off the dark. wall yeah. it's, it's completely mental and th but this is your, this is your life this is what you're dealing with you know this is you know you, you know every you've been there every step of the way is it right that you were Every day at this second trial, like the 55 days of yes, this yes, trial yeah. with James, was it James and Brendan? James and Brendan, yes, yeah. And then I was, I was <sighs> uh, thrown out on the last two days. Oh, we'll come to that. <laughs> because of one of my videos, yeah. <laughs> oh, hurty, hurty words, the judge got yes. upset. <laughs> and they didn't arrest you, brilliant. Didn't yeah. arrest me, they didn't, but they didn't like it. Good, good for them. So these poor, so these poor boys, like, they've been charged with this arm robbery but they're, they're conveniently nothing to do with the murder because that would presumably screw up the evidence against your son. Yes, it would have been. There's no real reason for it. It's just, it's, it's just really weird that they didn't charge them with the murder or accessory to murder. It was 
just very, very... What did your defence barrister say about that? The, the uh, defence barrister for Aaron? What's his take on that or well, her take on that? Again... Or can they, can they not say because of where they get paid? Well, listen, there's all those issues and probably, I suppose the softest way we can put it is there hasn't been a lot of discussion with the Brady family in respect to... They, they tried to very much separate the... the, the, the the Chinese wall, yeah. The Chinese wall is to separate the cases, when in fact they're exactly the same case in 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 reality and in real life. But when we move into the realms, these of, guys were supposed to be in the same car, Tony. Right? Yes, yes. I'm sorry car. to be thick about this, but these lads were allegedly in the same car doing the same raid, and yes. the same guy got shot at the same time yes, in the same exactly place. Exactly the same. So how is this not all one case? How? It, how can this possibly complete be completely separate yeah. things? I don't understand. I don't get it. How can they defend that? I don't know how they can defend it, but they put up the Chinese wall of two separate cases. And we've Not never sure. we've never actually sat down with anyone. Like it was on James Flynn's extradition warrant not to be charged with the murder of Detective Gary Adrian Donahue. Because Jimmy was extradited that, yeah. from England. It's it's on his oh, extradition warrant. Yeah. Not to be Just charged with the murder. For emphasis, this gentleman who is extradited from America, James, this, this lovely lad who likes to keep things clean inside here, when he was extradited, they said that he was not to be charged with murder. Now, yes. why would they say that? that? I don't know. Why? If he's committed a murder, it's not their business to say he's not to be charged Charge, with that, is yes. it? Yes, yeah. It's not their business. Who are they anyway? It's the law of the land, the common law of the land, is it not? You'd imagine it would like, be common if, law. If you've, if, you've, if, you've, if you've committed a murder, then... It's conspiracy, it's co-accused, it's all those words, all those things. And this is the same Jimmy, now that went through trial, that Agent Matt Katsky approached in Belfast Airport about the crime in the Republic of Ireland. Bless you. Yeah, so it all, it's a tangled web we weave. Layers upon layers upon layers. And it's to make the average person switch off and go, I'm too thick, I don't get it, it's too complicated. No, 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 you're not thick. You're not thick, it's bent. If the man on the Clapham omnibus can't understand this legal process, then it's because it's not legal. Pro- it's not real. It's not the law. Yes, yeah, yeah. We, we're supposed to be able to understand what happens to us. That's that's reasonable, isn't it? We're supposed to understand what we're charged with. What you know, th- this whole stuff. It's like being done in a foreign language. It's funny you say the Chinese war. Well, this is like Chinese whispers. This this whole court thing is 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 in foreign to me. It isn't. Yeah, it's a total. It's all legalese, and I've got a better chance understanding French. Oh, much better. Yeah, there would be there <laughs> would be some, there would be some reason to it because and and it is difficult. We even explain to our friends and, and followers of the campaign who know it reasonably well, and they can understand like the very simple thing. Well, how can Aaron be in jail for crime? A man that's over six foot committed, and Aaron's only five foot seven. But that's the reality of the life we're living. And it's why I'm here. It's why I'm here yeah. because I was watching these videos on your YouTube. Page and and I have to give great credit here to Gemma Doherty who's been in champion in this yes, and, and trying yeah. to explain to her audience what's going on. And I'm watching her like, and I, I've seen her, some of her other work and I think it's fantastic. The, I've, I've yes, followed yeah. the Mary Boyle case. I watched the documentary. I've interviewed her on this yeah. podcast. And I'm listening to her. And I'm like, I need to look at this. There's something wrong. like if she's kicking off like there's something wrong about this. And I've been watching your videos and I I just I'm a gog. And I, I know the system's been. I, I tell my people the state's malevolent, it's malign, it's against you, it's that. And people think I'm crazy. 
And I listen to you and I'm like, well, if I'm crazy, check these guys out. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, look at what's happening to this guy's son. And look at what's happening to his family. Uh, just look, just look with your own eyes, you know? Tell us about what happened. So when he got, so Aaron got convicted, even though he's too short, he's 5'7", and the, the, the murderer was 6'1". What else did they use? What else did they use to send him down? What other pieces of evidence did they give that that, that, that led to that conviction? The evidence that was very strong at the time was phone silence. Allegedly, three phones silent at the same time. There's actually four. Two of them was Aaron's. One of them was a phone he had at Christmas. His girlfriend bought him a new phone, so. He sort of had an inactive phone or a phone he called a work phone he used a little bit for doing washing the diesel, the illegal fuel laundering. So Aaron's two phones, Jimmy's phone and Brendan's phone were silent between the hours of, I think, 8.20 to 10.40 p.m. And this was an amazing thing that they'd switched off their phones and were that somehow established that they were using walkie-talkies. Now, the girl with the Dublin accent did give a description that quite possibly was a walkie-talkie in the raider's hand. But on inspection of this silence period, it was discovered, now, very late in Aaron's trial, uh, the 11th hour, one of the junior counsel went back and had a look at the phone records and realised that the three phones were silent at least... 12 times that month prior to the 26th, 25th of January. So it was more, almost more common for the phones to be silent in and around the same time, 6 p.m., 7 p.m., until 9.30, 10.30 p.m. And the reason why we say that happens is because the boys were at home or in the yard and along the border here, we have very, very, very poor coverage. I live in rural France. You don't have to tell me. My, my followers go ape shit because my video stops, my audio stops for no reason. It's just my signal's crap here because I live in the middle. I live in Cavageville and I refuse to use these government devices. I'm waving a smartphone here. It's not for you. That's for the government to harass you on, to surveil you. It's not for you. Get a dumb phone and take the bloody battery and the SIM card out when you're not using it. And so I, I'd get fitted up for loads of stuff because my phone's always dark. Yes, and that was the reason they made a massive, massive issue out of this phone silence was the whole thing. The raiders were phone silent. You can't be convicted for a murder charge because your phone's off. Yeah. How is that evidence? I'm sorry, how can any reasonable person, and I am, I'm having a go at the jury here, how can you convict somebody, oh, his phone was off, oh, therefore, at the time, therefore, he's... what is wrong with you? Frenchmen, you know when they brought out this track and trace garbage, for what I call COVID-1984, you call it what you like, but I call, I call it COVID, COVID on this yes, channel. Yes. Oh, fair play. You do too, cool. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, yes, that's what yes. I call it, and I'm not ashamed to, and I'm not going to not call it that because I guess it's here. That's what I call it. I call it that because that's what I believe it to have been. Well, the French, there was something like only 34 or 3.5% of the whole country that downloaded that track and trace device, and I'll tell you why. The French have mistresses. A lot of French people, this is a bit naughty, but they have mistresses, and they don't want their wife to know who they're with, when, where, and why. That's why they didn't... Da- and I know that's that sounds racist, that sounds xenophobic. It's not. Why did 3.4, only in this country download track and trace down when in, in, in England it was way higher? Oh, they were very good in England. They loved it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very compliant. Yeah, very compliant. Disgust. I'm so ashamed Is that, that yeah. supposed to be white people. I pray to God that I, there's way more Irish in me than I, than I, than I know. My <laughs> grandfather's <laughs> Irish. I pray to God. Oh, yes. But it, whatever's true, the English people have been a disgrace on, on mass, have been a complete letdown. 
they, you know, yeah. they're, they're voting and they're championing their own Very demise, their own... Compliant, yes. But it, having your phone off, like, you should have your damn phone off. Have a rest, have a break, have a... But if it was unusual, Sarah, it would, it, it, would be, it would be good evidence. Like, if the phones were active every other evening between 6 and 10 and they were interacting, we could understand that. Brendan Trainer's phone was inactive 18 out of 26 days. <laughs> oh, hell, 18 out of 26. That's insane. Jimmy's was uh, 16 and we think Aaron's was 17. But All out of 26 days? Out of 26 days, yes. Okay, well, let's just help our audience out here. You're good at the maths. Cal- calculate. So we've got 18 out of 26 days. Yeah. In the case of which which so, guy? Yeah, it's twenty four. That's, uh, That's Benny Brendan si- saying sixty seven. So Brendan is sixty nine percent. Sixty nine percent. Yeah. Not on. Uh, what What was the next one? Jimmy's is fourteen. I think Four, uh, fourteen. Fourteen out of twenty six. Yeah. I'll go for six. Let's go for the higher. Let's be in the state's favour. So then one can accuse of a bias. Sixteen out of twenty six. Right. Yeah. That's sixty two percent of yeah. the time. So way more than half. And the other one. Aaron's is fifteen times. I think. Fifteen out of twenty six. Right. Yeah. 15 over 26 times 100, 58, if I'm rounding, and I've rounded up on all of these, 58%. 8%. So they're more, they're more usually off than on. Yes, it's not yeah. evidence. It's not evidence. And even if it's the other way around, I'm going to argue with you on this because having your phone off does not mean you're doing criminal activity. No, no. It means you don't want nosy parkers knowing any more about you than they should. My phone's constantly off. I only turn it on if I want to call somebody. I don't let people call me unless I've got an appointment. So what my crime is, I teach mathematics to children. That's what I'm guilty of, man. Like, so screw you. Like, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't convict on, oh, these three guys' phones were off. Well, all three of them were off more than they were on. 69%, 62%. And what was the other one? 50? 58. 58. It's a a complete, and he's the least of the three, and he's the murderer, allegedly, right? Yes, yeah. And and I think they overlap. Obviously, there was different evenings, and the overlap... I think possibly on 12 or 13 times. So that's 50%. It's not evidence. It's nothing. It's nothing. If you've seen the way it was portrayed, highly unusual. What coincidence that they were off. It was very well done. The theatre surrounding the silence. It would have been a massive part of Aaron's conviction. Massive. And that's it. So they've got the height. They've got these mobile phones. So his mobile phone is off and he's five foot seven and not six foot one. Have they got anything else? What else have they sent this man down for 40 plus years on? What, what else is their evidence? Well, there is no other evidence. Then the big thing was, as we said, the Dublin accent. And <laughs> then we, we only found out during the recent trial that a vehicle came up to the roundabout, went round the roundabout and headed for Dublin. This is my favourite part of the whole case. Yeah. This is, am I right in thinking this only came up during Jimmy... And Brendan's trial, not during your son's trial. Yes, yes. So this is a piece of evidence that was withheld yes. from the murder trial, but was allowed in the armed robbery trial. Yeah. Just, just for people who are not keeping up because it's Sunday morning. Murder being a much bigger crime than armed robbery, right? Yes. So the murder trial didn't get access to this evidence, but the armed robbery trial did. Yeah. Same evidence, same night, same case. Over to you, Tony. Because there's such a volume of evidence. No, it may very... I I have, when I was allowed, have the book of evidence and I had some electronic evidence on, on my laptop. Everything was hidden. We had American emails under a few launderers. We had car mechanics under 
statements from witnesses in Australia. Everything was all over the place. So that's the way the evidence was given to us. So this evidence became apparent that a man was leaving Dundalk race course, horse racing on the Friday evening at the time of the Northern Robbery. And this the, is so Irish. I love yeah. it. This is my favorite. This is this is so human. This is we've talked about quite a lot of human elements today, but this was another piece of evidence that's that's come up only very recently in a technically different case, although the exact same case, if you ask me. And it is beautiful. This is Ireland. This is a uh, horse race yeah. trainer. This is just so real. It's beautiful. Go ahead. I love this bit. And if we're, if you're looking directly down at the roundabout as a face of a clock, the horse trainer with his horse box approaches the roundabout at nine o'clock and comes on to the roundabout. And he's his exit is very quickly off to the left, going towards Dublin on the M1. And a vehicle comes round the wrong way around the roundabout. It entered the roundabout at three o'clock, went up past 12 o'clock, came round towards him, and the vehicle headed towards Dublin. And the reason why this is so vital, there was a vehicle burned out in the total opposite direction, which the prosecution always said was the vehicle used in the murder and robbery. So it's the same description, this, this, this vehicle? Yeah, is oh, it is, yeah. He said it's a Volkswagen Passat, a dark-coloured Passat, came round the wrong way, and he said there was a number of people in the vehicle, so he's seen heads, he's seen bodies in the vehicle, and it headed towards Dublin. So if I suppose for those people in England, it's like a vehicle coming down the M1, hitting the M25, one turns left to go towards Stansted, and that's the getaway car that we now say is officially the getaway car. And there was a vehicle burned out over to the right, over in Middlesex, and the guards were saying that's the car that was burned out in the complete and total opposite direction. Thank you for anglicising that. Now, there was a vehicle burned out in Middlesex, but absolutely nothing got to do with the modern robbery that happened up in Leicester. So we're coming down the motorway. The actual, the robbers, the raiders, the murderers did go left and the guards tried to portray this vehicle that was burned in Northern Ireland as the vehicle was used in the Northern Robbery. So that was hidden. So we now know, and to compound all this, the only people that actually seen the getaway vehicle was the woman that was sitting in her car, the cash key, and she said the vehicle was dark grey. Joe Ryan, after the Raiders, Detective Joe Ryan, after the Raiders ran away and jumped into the car, he pursued them as he drew his weapon and ran out the gate. And he said that on the 999 call, it's it's on record, he says a dark grey Passat, a dark grey Passat. So gotcha. both people, the only people who's seen the vehicle said it was dark grey. And the car that was burned out in Northern Ireland was blue. Nothing to do with it. That's just, just, it's a complete red herring. A complete red herring. A, so what you call a red herring? It's got, it's, 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 yes. Sorry, it's gobshite. I'm really sorry for using that on yes. a Sunday morning. But that's what it is. It's gobshite. The, these people are beyond beyond help at this point. Just just think about that, because I even think this has been rushed over with your amazing videos. Imagine, because this is a major roundabout, isn't it? It's not yes. Cabbageville. It's, it's, this, is, this is a roundabout that goes onto a major um, a, a major like Dublin, Dublin it, Belfast, it, M1. Dublin Belfast, right. This is the ma- is it fair to say it's a major motorway entrance, this roundabout? Oh, it would be. Junction 18, yes. Where you are, right? 
Okay, from what I can tell it is. And thanks for doing the anglicised version. I'd have made a Google it to check, but you're a nice one for that. I get that. Yeah. But if you go and look, guys, at this, this roundabout, this is not like some little Cabbageville toy town roundabout you might accidentally make a mistake on. There is no way on God's green earth you could accidentally go the wrong way around this roundabout. Now, if, you, if you're under extreme stress, and I have been, I live in a foreign country, so I have to drive on the wrong side. To, what, to me, what's the wrong the side of the road? The wrong side of the road. I learned on the left. I'm English. I learned on the left. And now I have to drive on the right-hand side of the road. And I've driven on the right-hand side of the road in a left-hand vehicle and a right-hand vehicle and vice versa. So I've done all four, right? But your instinct is still your instinct. Where you're from is still where you're from. If I'm really tired, I still feel like I'm on the wrong side of the road. road Even though yeah. I've driven here now for eight years, I still feel like I'm the wrong sometimes when I'm tired because I'm English and I, I learned to drive on the left. I have never, even in a foreign country, even when I only first started driving a left-hand vehicle on the right-hand side of the road, I still never drove the wrong way around the roundabout. Never. And I'm no rocket scientist and I'm no a bloody wheel man or wheel woman. I have never made that mistake. And I've been in some extremely stressful situations. If, you've, if you're a professional, and I talked about this right at the top of the podcast, that it sounds to me like this bank job on the credit union was professional because the people who jumped out knew to go to the cars that were in the, vic- in, in the car park. They knew to, where the money was. They knew what to do, it seems, yes, it, it yes, seems yeah. to me, from the evidence that the government have, have, have given. Given, yes. So who yes. the hell... Who the hell is going to draw attention to themselves by driving the wrong way around the major roundabout, having just committed an armed robbery? That's the if you've just committed a crime, especially a serious one, the last thing you do is want to draw attention to yourself, isn't it? So you behave normally. You go calm. You drive. You, you drive. Set, you don't even break a speed limit. If you've just done a, a, a crime, you don't even break a speed limit because the last thing you want it's bloody traffic plod pulling you over and then you're getting done for something else yes even if you did it or not because traffic plod nick you for a stupid speeding fine or going the going the wrong way around the roundabout is a way bigger problem than a speeding fine isn't it yeah well they had i think the other people who seen the car speeding the car had to go get away from the credit union speed up it's quite a it's, it's, it's a very wide entrance into the roundabout but they were forced wide because they were passing cars. So the driver had no option, only go round. I would say there was a certain amount of panic and the driver did go round the roundabout the wrong way and headed for Dublin. They didn't go north like the story was portrayed. Now, I presume they didn't want to go round the wrong way, but they had been pushed wide because they were passing vehicles on the approach to the roundabout. Occam's razor, right? The, the most obvious solution is probably the right one. Yeah, I'm with yes. you. And how wonderful that this this horse trainer, who's got nothing to do with anything, Not he's just deal. leave. He's watched the last race. His horse is already in his horse van, right? Yes. He's yes. watched the last race at Dundalk. It's he's jumped straight in his car with its trailer with the horse, and he's driven off, going home, minding his own business, and some crazy freaking lunatic in a grey Passat dark grey Passat, has driven the wrong way around the major roundabout. Well, yeah, you, you would remember that, wouldn't that, you? Yes, yeah. Even if you're Joe Public. And he did make like, the statement relatively quickly, but we never found it. Like it was, it's, it's almost 10 years. Like That statement has been available for 10 years. But we, uh, this was not Aaron, available for Aaron's trial, no. right? Now, they will tell us that it was in the book of evidence somewhere because there's so much stuff. But it definitely Disgusting. wasn't drawn, drawn to the attention of... 
But it's obviously of, signi- of huge, huge significance. Huge significance, yeah. It's a linchpin piece of evidence. It's a key. I'm not a, a lawyer, but this is a key or linchpin piece of evidence, surely. Yes. A random yeah. member of the public remembers this totally bizarre event. And yes, yeah. And it genuinely, uh, we know for a fact it genuinely happened. And we know that the authorities here in Ireland were uh, so, hating it. So Aaron got sent down. So just to explain why is it a 40 year minimum? What's that about? Well, it, it would have been a, a, a hanging offence up until, uh, I, I, I don't know, but then it was changed. Hanging was what abolished. Was 50s, for capital, 60s? Fa- capital, probably the 60s. I do believe it's the really? 60s. As far as the 60s? Yeah. Wow. And now I could that's, be wrong, Sarah. But that's not long But that's not long ago, is it? Whether it's 50s or 60s, that's not that long ago, no, is no. it? Yeah. I have my own views on the death penalty and I, I kick off at people who go on about it. Yes. Guys, so. if you believe in the death penalty, you're basically a retard because you think that the state is telling... You You trust the state. You trust the state with your own life. The state can fit you up for anything. And I ranted about this last week on my podcast, so I'm just going to belabor it a second. I'm sorry, guys. I, God's law, the law of the... Whatever you want to talk about, you can't... If you didn't trust the, the government and the mainstream media on COVID... How yeah. dare you? How dare you trust them with a man's life? No. Oh, it's the jury that makes the decision, not the... Bullshit. Shit, yeah. The court, the court... I'm sorry, the detectives who investigate are paid for by the state. The barristers, prosecution and defence, are paid for by the state. The judge is paid for by the state. If you're a lemming, if you're a sheep of, of the public and you're sat in a, in a jury box, you're thinking, you're going to listen to the judge because this is someone who's experienced and knows stuff. You're going to listen to the barristers because they're trained in the law. You're, you've already given your authority away in the vast majority of cases. So I, I'm sorry, I don't buy the fact that, oh, you're judged by 12 of your own. No, you're bloody not. not no. You're judged by 12 sheep who are coerced by the state. This has got sod all to do. So how death penalty, don't even go there with me. But capital murder these days is no longer the death penalty, thank God. I'm, but it's still, it's still a, is it a minimum tariff? Of, it's life, but a minimum tariff of 40 years. Is they that say right? 40 years, yes. Now, there is some, there actually is some confusion. I haven't gone into it to look, look at it, but I think Aaron is entitled to some, if we know it's not going to get to that, he would be entitled to time off from that. But... Well, he's not done it anyway, so he's getting out. No, That's he's, it. He's, a, he's getting, getting out on appeal. That's it. I'm having, I've had enough of this. Yeah, so he's yeah, getting yeah, out. Yeah, I don't care so. about their stupid rules. The point is that because they say he murdered an agent of the state. Yes. He, he didn't murder Grandad Joe down the street. No, no. It he is, allegedly it? murdered an operative of the state, and therefore it's worth more, more, more punishment than... So if you murder me, you get this punishment. But if you murder somebody who works the state, you get it worse, right? 25, That's 30 these, years, yes. These guys, that's how these guys operate. So how long has he been inside now? What are we? We're June, we're June 23. How long has he been banged up for now? And, so, and I, I don't, I include the driving bullshit offence in that because that was clearly part of this whole thing. May 17, he was arrested in New York. Yep. Five, five years and two months, uh, five years and a month. 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. Nearly, well, we're June, we're June 23. June, yeah. Is it nearly six years? Are we nearly six years now? Oh, six years. It is six years. It 70, is, because it's it May, is, May 70, 18, 19, 20, Six two, years Six years. So just six years, one oh, month, bless, right, roughly. Yeah. Where like, they, so he's where been, has he been banged up consistently Oh, consistently. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. And how old's his son now? Six. Seven, nearly seven, hell. yeah. Seven now in October. Bloody hell. And they want to keep him in allegedly for like 34 more years is that right oh well it'd be 38 because 
they wouldn't be taking into consideration his sentence for the traffic offences. Okay. Oh, wow. Thanks for that, right? So we, we're adding 30 to now, is that correct? Yes, basically? at least. 36. Yes, yeah. 34, so his son, his son will be 36 Yeah. before he gets out if these creatures have their way, right? Yes, yeah, 36. That's right. Dis- yes, yeah, you're correct. Disgusting. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. So he went down. He, he's, he's way too short, and even a short person knows he's too short for this murder. The other evidence is, oh, that his mobile phone was turned off. Yes. Well, let's just rack up the gallows. Let's just, yes, I'll, I'll set yeah. the gallows up for that, shall I? And evidence of this, like this horse trainer who saw this car going the wrong way yes, down a yeah. bloody major roundabout. Although, oh, never mind all that. Delete, 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 right? Like the, like the Clinton emails. Delete, delete, delete. delete yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I get yes. it. So, what happens now? Like, what's next? I suppose just to put another little bit of context into the farce that was his trial, if we go to the burn site of where this vehicle allegedly used in the more than robbery was... Um, oh, the burnout, the blue car that's got nothing to do with it. The blue car that's nothing got to do with it. Ah, Jesus. I forgot about that, sorry. <laughs> the state actually brought evidence that a man met, t- met two vehicles on the road at 10.30pm and they had the previous witness who seen the car going up his road. So the car was on fire. Now, this is difficult to sort of comprehend, but the car was on fire, we'll say, at 10.05 p.m. And on the bro- same day? Yeah, this night at 10.05 p.m. This is Why a- would you draw attention to your crime by setting it on fire? Well, it's, it, it was set on fire, but this the, the strange thing here is they brought in another witness who met two vehicles at 10.30. So... The man actually met a car on the road at 10.30 that was on fire at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Sounds about right. But go back to the human element. If you've just done a bank job and it's gone wrong and you've had to shoot a cop, right? Yes, yeah. You're not going to set a fire to your own vehicle because guess what? That, well, police are going to come out, fire's going to come out. You're drawing attention yes. to the thing that helps you commit... You hide that crap, you bury it over the border, yes, don't you? Yeah. Well, you go over and just hide it for a day or two. It could have been, it, it wouldn't yes, be. You it sell would... it for a respray job to your mate. Like, come yeah. on, I'm not even a criminal and I've got better yeah. ideas than these goons. Like, what? There would be vehicles burned out around the border that was used in crimes. Now, it wouldn't, it wouldn't yeah. be totally unusual now, but it's not the vehicle because it's blue and it's grey. It's a, you, you know, don't it's burn chop. it out on the night. You no, don't burn it no. out on the night you've done it because, no. hello, the, co- the bloody cops are going to come. It's and stupid. It's retarded. One of the most important bits is it's 37 kilometres and to leave the motor scene and drive to where the burn site is, it would be like driving towards Scotland Yard. If you committed a crime somewhere <laughs> in London, down into Northern Ireland, the, the major police station <laughs> in in South Armagh was in Newtown Hamilton small Don't town know about from- you Tony but my instinct's saying we'll take it further away from the cop shop before we before we dispose of the evidence no, the drove, you, I mean- they drove towards it of course they did allegedly right. yeah so it's, it's just complete and utter nonsense so this is, this is like the Chuckle Brothers yeah it like is doing, the Chuckle Brothers doing a, a state crime right yes yeah, called, yeah. a capital crime yeah right called, so driving called. 37 kilometres to Burnet and driving towards and like we are we live in one of the most secure parts of the UK most heavily policed Cross Yes, Cross McGlen, South Armagh. So is that because of the the so called troubles? The is that troubles, why it's still yes, very heavily yeah. policed. Yeah. Probably even ten years on now, it's not as heavily policed as it was in two thousand and thirteen. In two thousand thirteen, it wouldn't have been as heavily policed as it was in the two thousand three. Yes, then, yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. 
Good heavens, God bless you. So tell me when he was convicted. So they convicted him of this murder of a, of a agent of the state. So it's a big deal. It's a capital Yeah, he was found guilty on the um, 14th of August, 12th of August, 2020. Yeah, right, you're in COVID. And then how long did it take before sentencing? Sentencing was uh, October. And was it a surprise? Like, did, did he already, did you already oh, know what knew, he was going to Oh, we knew once he was found guilty that day. It was a... Uh, 40, 40 years minimum tariff. No, no, statutory, no, no. yeah, statutory. Right, gotcha, 40 years. gotcha. So, in that moment, what did you, what did you do? Like, how did you, what did you say to him? Again, I'm going human here because people need to feel this hard. This is going for the evidence and, the, and this and that is one thing. And I, I respect you enormously for the work you've done on this. And it is, it's really high quality work, people. You need to go check it out at justiceforaronbrady.com or justiceforaronbrady on YouTube. Go and check the videos out. But as, as a family and, and as a human being, as that boy's father, as that young man's father, how, how did that affect, like, how well, do you deal with that? What did you do? It is, it's a strange, the day he was found guilty, the week up until just before the jury went out, the jury was out for three or four days, but just before the jury were out, we were very, very, very confident. And I would have said, there was days now there could have been 40, 50, 60 police in round the courtroom. All, all, all the white shirts, the pips, all this... Why? Oh, oh, show of strength and I, as I just call it bullshit. And well, like a, jury intimidation kind of show of strength. Yes, and then we had three courts open because there's only so many people allowed into each court because bullshit. of the convid. And, because convid bullshit, yeah. yeah. So, and we were very, very confident, but something happened. So when you say very confident, you thought they were going to find him innocent because the case was bullshit. Yeah, the case was bullshit. And we yeah, always, seven, five foot seven, six foot one, end. end For me, oh, end. All of these things. End. End of story. End. Yeah. And that's not to mention, oh, my phone's off. Yeah, whatever. Yes, yeah. So, and? And, uh, and, and your star witness is a druggie who's also an illegal immigrant. Legal immigrant, yeah, who's involved. And there's with a whole pile of other stuff involved there yes, as well, isn't yeah, there? a whole pile of other Criminality. stuff. Criminality. Yes, yes, yeah. So, aside from that, he's going to get found innocent, right? Yes, and then... Then what happened? Caroline, in particular, noticed this, I think it was on the Wednesday, the whole atmosphere changed with the authorities. They were bouncing about the place and then we just knew, we knew what was coming and then he was found guilty. I think, I think it was a Tuesday. I'm not sure. I can't remember now. Uh, found guilty. I, I, I think the first thing he done, I went over and hugged him. That was the first thing. And then we had to wait until October for the sentencing. And believe it or not, was it a sentencing? Or I, I think it was in August. We actually went away with a few friends up to Belfast. It was a bit surreal what we'd done. And we had a few days away with some friends. Some friends of ours came over from England. And we just had to gather our thoughts. And we had then the idea of the campaign came and how to try and start it and put it all together. And what was your son's attitude? What did Aaron, so he gets sent down, you hug him, he goes to jail. You, what, what was that first call like? Like when did, when did you next speak to him? What was that like? I know it's hard, sorry. I'm it's asking hard. because... Yeah, the, yeah, it is. It's very difficult. Women to need to hear this in particular because they think it's not going to happen to them or their son, you see. And I'm just trying to cut into this a little bit because it, it's painful and people need to feel this very, very keenly because this could be anybody. This could be any listener's son, any listener's thoughts. This is you guys and I want to... Well, everything's, ta like? everything's taken out of your control. You have absolutely no control of what's just happened. 
obviously the media coverage was phenomenal. Garda killer everywhere, all over, scum, all that. Every If you walked into a shop, we were, Aaron was on the front page, social media, TV, you name it, Aaron was all over it. And that really didn't I can't wait time. until you guys get him out and you can sue these bastards for every fucking penny because <laughs> part of my French, but I, I can't wait for that because I'm sorry, these days, especially these days, we know that even if you're quote-unquote convicted, we know there's plenty of people who are unconvicted, if you will, on yes. appeal because things have gone wrong. So how dare a newspaper in this day and age go around saying, God, a killer, no, 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 no hang on. Convicted at the first stage of a, a lengthy court process, just, actually. And to try to defend it by saying, oh, but the court found him, I'm sorry, oh, but the court found him guilty. That's like primary school. That's elementary school. Who do yeah. you think, how dare you? And, and the impact it's had on you, your family, your extended family, your son's wife's family, family, your in-laws, yeah. if you will. Yes, yeah. Apps, I cannot wait. And I know it's a long way off. Yeah. But I cannot wait to sue every single one of these sons of what's it yeah. for is, what they've said. How dare they? How dare they? And it's so simple. Like, I know for a fact that a number of mainstream media, high profile investigative journalists here in Ireland, are fully aware of Daniel Cahill's criminal record and that Daniel Cahill told the tissue lays in his testimony. They are fully aware of it. They're fully aware, and we've highlighted in the videos some of the times and the CCTV footage that are impossible. I haven't even touched on that this evening or this morning with you. Like, there's times actually impossible. There's times that are absolutely ludicrous. A one a one kilometer journey taking seven minutes at high speed. It's <laughs> and. The journalists, it's there for them. I've called them all out. They don't write the much. Journal liars. Journal liars, yeah. They don't, they don't write much about us now because when they do, I answer them. I've done a lot. <laughs> of, I've done a lot of videos on sloppy journalism, and I've called them all out. I've offered to take them on the routes. You're generous, sloppy journalism. I wouldn't call it that. I don't think it's sloppy. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no I don't. Sloppy, I'm sorry. No. It's not sloppy. Let's not be night. I understand why you're doing that, but I'm not going to do that. This is not sloppy journalism. This is mendacious. These people are liars. These people are enabling the beast system against honest, decent folk. And I'm sorry, God help them. God help them when, when the time comes because they've done that forever. That's on their soul. That's on their yes, yeah, That's they forever. Can't... What they did is forever. Yeah. And we, I'm, I'm a maths teacher, right? I'm a GCSE. I'm a nothing 16-year-old I teach mathematics to 16 slash 18-year-olds, right? And some adults who want to learn that level of maths. I'm an examiner for GCSE. I mark the national papers for 16-year-olds, right? I'm nothing and I'm nobody. And I'm here doing a pretty poor job. But I'm here doing the job of what a journalist is supposed to do. Supposed to do, yeah. Why? Because these bastards aren't doing it. Yeah. They're not doing their job. I do my job and I do it bloody well. I teach people real mathematics and I teach them properly and honestly yes. and decently and without political sodding agenda. These yes. creatures, and I'm having to do their job in my spare time. Yes. These are, they yes. are disgusting. They are disgusting creatures. And do you know what? I'm grateful because I've met amazing people. I have great conversations like this with you and I've learned so much from doing it. But these, the, I, I don't know if there's a, a place dark enough in hell for uh, these for creatures. The I don't I know. I really, how. really don't. That's God's problem. That's not my problem. Problem. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know how the, like, RTE, our, our BBC here and our, and our RTE. Yeah, uh, uh, you just swore, Tony. Swore, Tony, yes. You can yeah. say fuck, but you can't say BBC <laughs> or RTE on here. You can say whatever um, you like, but not that, man. 
Yeah, RTE is BBC, guys. That, that's the yes. RTE is the Irish BBC, Irish BBC quite literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, I think a day or two after Aaron was found guilty, they put a programme out on RTE called Primetime. And I shredded it. I think I might have done 16 or 18 videos uh, contradicting everything they said. And not once. I sent them all to RTE. I sent all forms of contact to all the journalists, mainstream journalists in Ireland. I've asked them, they're willing to come with me and I'll show that the times, the journeys, everything is complete and utter nonsense. And they don't print it. They have never printed justice for Aaron Brady. Over 200 videos, I've called them bastards, layers, scum, gutter press, and, uh, and Tony's called, polite, guys. Tony's yes. way too polite. Uh, yeah. You come talk to me on a Thursday night, I'll tell you what <laughs> I think about this. But uh, Tony is being extremely reserved. He's a gentleman. He's a real man. He's very. Uh, he and I talked about men and women off, off air earlier. <laughs> he's like reining me in here. He's doing yes. the calm thing. And he's the one in the situation. This is not my situation. But if you're not feeling it, then you're not human. Especially if you're a woman. You should be. This could be your son, your daughter. This is your son and your daughter. What are you doing about that, right? This is why this is so important to listen to. What's the next step? Like, what, what happens now, Tony? What's well, next? The two boys have a on a, a, verdict on, a, verdict. a verdict on the 17th of September. And oh. that looks like, putting it back three months, looks like it's something that could be, I don't want to be too critical of the three. This is a three judge. This is a central criminal court. Like, this is a court that was sent up and, set up in Ireland for gangland terrorism, uh, gangland crime and terrorism. James Flynn hasn't a parking ticket. <laughs> he hasn't a parking ticket. I think he may Lesson. have, God he, he, he may have a, a public order offence. He was drunk outside a disco when he was 18 or 19. <laughs> and and we were taken to the CCJ. If you haven't been drunk outside of disco at eighteen or nineteen, you know, there's something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I do believe I do know the story, and it nothing got to do with Jimmy. It wasn't even his fault. Friends of his got involved in a fracas or something, and with bouncers right. and poor Jimmy got a public order offence, and he's in the special criminal court. It's it's. But just... you learned something about this, didn't you? About the car. And the, oh, the CCTV. Yes, yes, yeah. You learned something valuable from this Jimmy and Br Jimmy, Brendan yes, trial for and your Jimmy, son, didn't you? There's... Yeah, they've hidden. Yeah, there's another part of the case too. They accused us of intimidation. The Bradys of intimidating these witnesses in America. Do the car thing first, if you can. Do the car thing first, and then we'll come to the because they didn't arrest you, and they should have. If they should real, have, so. and then we'll, we'll do that thing in a minute. Just I'll come to that. I promise I'll ask you. But go for that. Go for that car thing. Because I, wa I watched your videos on that and I'm like, yes. oh, so, oh, oh, gotcha. Jimmy's car yeah. is in the town of Cross Midland at 7.30pm and there's quite a reasonable picture of it as it comes this to a junction. This is the night of the, mur the, mur the murder, the, the robbery, right? The modern robbery. The same night. Yeah, and the modern robbery takes place at 9.30pm. So we know for a fact this is James Flynn's car in Cross Midland at 9.30, 7.30pm. And as it goes round, Crossman Glen has a very big square, town square. A, a car drives round it three times. And at a certain pinch point in the square, the camera's coming from the police station. And it's very, very high. You can see the car pass in a certain pinch point, And you get a, a very good, a reasonably good outline picture of it. So we know that's James Flynn three times at 1930. 
And then the prosecution put forward that it was James Flynn's car at 11.10. And again, the car does, and this is a little habit young, even we still do it. When we come into town, we'll do a circuit of the town to see who's doing what in the pubs, who's having the pint, who's in town and who's not. So at 11.10, he does three squares of the square again. So now we have six stills at the pinch point. And it was actually Jimmy himself who found his car at nine at 9.37. Just a couple of minutes after the mother and robbery, Jimmy Flynn's car goes round the square again three times. We have nine identical photographs of the same vehicle and three of those are at the time of the mother and robbery. The, the two lads should have been walking down the road. So the car is in the complete wrong place. The wrong place, yes. And the people are in the complete wrong place. place. I have no words. But this has only come out during this recent trial for the robbery aspect, not the murder aspect, right? Not the murder aspect. And yet this evidence is completely germane to the original case. Completely relevant. Completely, yes. Vital. And they had that evidence at the time, did they not? Oh, they would have. Yeah, it is guarded James Carlin, who was viewing the CCTV footage, mentions James Flynn's car at 21.37. So the guards, the guard, the police themselves are suggesting that that's his Mm -hmm. car. So, and there was other information found in relation to the theft of the car. It's, there's more information found of hidden CCTV footage, but it's just ongoing. None of this is straightforward and people can dive down the rabbit hole and go check out your videos on your YouTube channel because you've done a great job. They're, They're relatively short videos, guys. And they use the real information and they show you, they show you like time travel <laughs> as yeah, alleged by the prosecution. Kishan. Yes, yeah. The stuff is just, un- I hate using this word, but unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable for a reason. Yes. Yeah. And, and any questions, um, if people go and watch anything, any questions, we'll get back to them. We'll interact with anyone. Uh, I've seen that. I've any- seen that for myself. You, you do come back and say, no, we know about this. Here's, I've seen you answer critics and questions in, in your chat. On, nobody answers their critics on YouTube, man. Yes, yeah. They're not always honest people, but no, you guys no, are going out of your way to be They're trolls and... Of course. Like, none of the, none of the questions... Well, it's too easy to say troll. I would say, actually, they're professional trolls. I don't actually believe... I don't think there are very many amateur trolls. I think no. trolls are the guardi. They're the same. Oh, yeah, they're paid yeah. by the state... They're paid by the state to attack, harass, and make people look bad online. We I've did. been a subject of it myself. I'm very, very aware of how that works. We did at the beginning. There were six trolls at the very beginning when the obviously fake profiles, and we did spend a little bit of money having a look at IP addresses. And three of them were quite close to the Garda station, the police station in Dundalk. In it's this, not a surprise, the, eh? Yeah, all in the same area. <laughs> so we didn't bother with it anymore. Just, But they, we got rid of all them. Once we answered them, and Mr. Big Stones does come occasionally with sort of none. Why did Aaron tell lies? And why did his girlfriend tell lies? And we've explained well, I was all astonished. That. I was astonished with Big Stones. I think I called him something Rudolph. Like, yeah. by, it was by accident. But actually, yeah. maybe, I, maybe my accident was, was the truth coming out, you know? Because yes. I looked at that, I was like, what are you talking about, pal? Like, I didn't get it. And then when you answered him, like, oh, I get it. It's a troll. I see. Yes. Like, I, I didn't, I, at first I thought it was some legit guy who wasn't understanding what was going on. Not, I thought, oh, maybe, oh, he maybe he just doesn't yeah. get it. Ah, uh, yeah, but it's different, isn't it? He gets it. It's a troll. I, said, I offered yeah. to do a podcast with him. 
he could go blank, ask any questions, off the cuff, anything. Of course they will. And I'll do that to any, any other them. journalist, anyone whatsoever. Uh, I'll do, do journal layers. Even if, if there was someone in America or the UK wants to question, I'll do anything. I'll do it all on edited, unprepared, no problem. Well, you have today, I have to say to the people who are listening to this, this is completely, I didn't issue Tony with, with a, a list of questions. This is completely off the cuff. There's no, you know, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to ask about this or about that. There was nothing off the table in, yeah. in this podcast. I have just asked what I wanted to know and tried to clarify what I didn't understand or what I think people listening to this might not understand. So you judge for yourselves, and that's obviously entirely what this is about, education, not indoctrination. And my premise is that if you got your children out of these sodding indoctrination centres that you call schools, they're not. They're government training camps. They're government indoctrination camps. Call them what they are. Have the courage and the balls to call them what they are. Get your children out, because then, then there'll be more people to stop things like this happening to people, good people like Tony and his family. We need people who think for themselves. We need people who know that the state is malign and that they do bad things on a daily basis against ordinary citizens, for often for their own reasons. Like, I don't believe that, that Aaron is a particular focal point for some kind of state hate. He, he's not trying to get children out of schools like I am. No. Like, they're going to fit me up for something Fast way worse. Something. Like, <laughs> yeah. This lad, you know, he's raising a family. He, he's, he's a normal guy. He's a, you know, a father, a husband, a son. Like, guys, he's a brother. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't doing anything half as bad as I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you to teach your children properly. Actually yes. teach them real maths and real English. That's dangerous. What I'm doing is way more dangerous. And yet this poor guy's in, 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 in prison. What's the prison called there, Tony? Where, where, where's Aaron? Port Leash Prison in County Port Leash. Leash. Yeah. I'm glad you pronounced it because it's spelled a bit different, isn't it? Yes, I would have pronounced yes. that wrong. He's there now. Yes, yep. And I, I'll leave links and I will make sure that I have everything for people who want to contact Aaron or who especially right, yes. want to contact these awful entities that are, you know, especially the, like the, Amer- is it the American Embassy. You yes, the American, the American Embassy. We'll leave links to that. Yes, yeah. I they need, they yeah. have questions that need answering and they need to know that people you know, in Ireland and yeah. England are not happy about this and we want to know more. Because we want to ask more questions. We do realise the Americans were told a lot of lies. And we have yeah. seen during this second case, because they're telling lies and because we've pressurised them with Aaron's campaign, they have to tell more lies to cover the old lies, which means involving more people, making the circle bigger. And that's the whole idea. The bigger a circle of lies is, the much better chance we have of it collapsing. Absolutely. And I've watched many, I've, I've watched some video footage, undercover video footage of some of the people who've given evidence against Aaron. Yes. Saying, yeah, I, I just had to say that because otherwise they'd have deported me or yes, I yeah. had a conviction. <laughs> I've watched the videos of the guys saying this. Saying like, it, yes, as, yeah. as if detectives haven't seen that. Yes. I'm a mathematics teacher for children from England. Yeah. And I can see what's going on here. And they're telling, they want us to believe that they can't see that. Oh, that doesn't exist. Or it's that not doesn't real. exist. Yeah. It's, it's completely, it's bonkers. completely bonkers. Yeah. I'm with yeah. you, with you all the way. Listen, Tony, I've taken so much of your time. I'm going to get you to come Very back good. on at a point in the future when, when you're ready to talk about the next phase. Just for now, when is the appeal? I think it's, is it October? October the 4th at the moment. Uh, yeah. Uh, so as I said. This is Aaron's appeal. Aaron's appeal is September, October the 4th. Slated. The verdict in September the 17th will have a massive effect on Aaron's appeal because if we get a, non, a not guilty verdict, 
we will be able to use. I'm, I'm certain, I'm not sure the logistics and the logistics of taking that evidence and using it as new evidence then in Aaron's appeal. Aaron's appeal is predominantly 47 points where we say the judge has erred in making decisions during the course of Aaron's trial. So it's all legalese. It's, it's nothing got to do with all these times, CCTV footage, sightings of cars, cars burning. That's only for the retrial. So we'll see. Hopefully we have the authorities and the state under so much pressure. They may just want to try and... And is that on the record already? Have we already got that? No, it's, not that best. No, I don't so, think so. Okay, so he's basically... what? The, if the outcome of this trial is not guilty, that's a massive boost because then all of a sudden this opens up a whole pile. A whole yes, yeah. The gang doesn't exist. Information. Yes, yes. Great. But what if they? What if they inexplicably find these guys guilty? What What's the potential consequences of that? Well, again, they'll obviously start the appeal process. It leaves Aaron's appeal obviously much more difficult. But it, it, in some ways, the way the the Chinese wall has been built in respect of the two cases. It doesn't really have that much of a knock-on effect in Aaron's case because they can't have their cake and eat it. They can't say, we found other boys guilty, so he must be guilty. So there's all those possible combinations and permutations. So we just have to deal with it as it happens. Anything is possible. So we just and have to be ready meantime- for it. What can well-wishers and listeners who want to support you, what can they What can they do to help? Because this is the information you've given is absolutely fantastic. It's really live, it's visceral, it's real, it's in the moment. But there's going to be a lot of people who, the good people who want to do something. What can they do? What can they, apart from making a fake account and following you on YouTube, which will boost your subscribers, what else can they do? Well, we'd really, really like people possibly, just as I mentioned before, we'd say the UK listeners, just drop an email to the American Embassy in London, just ask, is this true what Agent Matt Katsky done, his involvement? And if people are willing to watch our videos, he's done a lot of very bad things, Miss Agent Katsky, in respect of Daniel Cahill. Like, just simple emails asked, is a man who's caught with drugs, who hides in the attic for six hours, who's involved in terrorism, who's involved in criminality, how, how can he be a star witness in a trial and give evidence via video link from New York to Dublin? Simple things that we definitely need help in America. We have been reaching out. I was stopped from going to America. We do need help in America. There's people in America who are friends and acquaintances of people who did give statements against Aaron. And the information these people have in their heads is vital to Aaron's case, but they don't realise that. And we are in the process now of making more contact with people in America. So how, are you stop- how are you stopped from going to the States? Under what under what premise? I, I was actually going with some friends. I think there was 12 or 13 of us on the way to Las Vegas. Some friends of ours, we play local poker schools. And we were going to Las Vegas for four or five days. And I was stopped. And Officer Cucci from Homeland Security asked me, was I involved in intimidating witnesses in an ongoing case? And I said, Officer Cucci, I most certainly was not involved in intimidating witnesses in in any ongoing case, but I was refused entry to the United States. You were sent on a plane back home, right? No, in Ireland, we go through immigration in Dublin. 
I oh, gotcha. So they stopped yes. you. Stopped me in Dublin. So I didn't. Luckily, I hadn't the flight back home. Got all the way. But you listen, they probably saved me a couple of thousand dollars. I would have lost in, in Vegas. So. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did you a favor, right? Probably did me a favor. <laughs> kind of. But it shows you. Wrong circumstances. Wrong yeah. circumstances. It's again, if I had time and we had someone legal willing to take that on, there's a, I have a case there. There's a case there that'd be answered by the American authorities. Sure. Uh, yeah, stop. for sure. Yeah, because I was there. I was questioned about intimidating witnesses, but it never went anywhere. It's a, it's a red herring thrown out there by, they use it very, very well, the authorities. Just, just give us that, because we, we said we were going to talk about this and then briefly we, we got sidetracked because there's so much info on this case. Yes. You recently got, some trouble with with the court, although it wasn't official. So in this trial with Jimmy, good old the gentleman who likes to keep things tidy and clean and neat, and he's a good old bloke. And yeah. Brendan, you're at their their trial, and something happened. And we should just probably finish by telling people about this because this is very illuminating, is it not? Yes, very about illuminating. The whole process. I, I I and I think if we if we did get this message out there, it would show that there is something inherently wrong with the whole system. What they're trying to do, evidence became available during the course of this 17-week trial of Jimmy and Brendan's. And Garda Kenna, who was very much, he was the apex of the CCTV footage, PowerPoint presentation for the court, both in Aaron's trial and this trial. So he was the go-to man, he was the coordinator for all the CCTV footage. And there's one particularly, now there's loads of these, Sarah, but there's one, the entry point to the theft of this alleged the Blue Passat, where there's a journey between a place called the Monaster Bison of the M1 and Terman Feck and Credit Union. And a blob of light at the rest pub and restaurant at the Monaster Bison, a blob of light goes past, and then there's a vehicle drives past Terman Feck and Credit Union. And the time span is six minutes. Now, all these times have been verified on Tetra Radio, the speaking clock, and mobile phones. So the guards would have been very particular collecting this information because obviously it was in connection to the mother of the colleague. So there's no time slippage. There's no, the, the judges actually tried to slip in this bullshit about time slippage and different things. But that couldn't have been a factor here. The time on the CCTV system in the term effect and credit union was correct. So there's no time slippage there. It's correct to the second. And this journey of six minutes is impossible. Now, the fastest we've driven, and I drove, I wasn't driving, a friend of mine drove it at hey, hey speed was seven minutes and 57 seconds. On Google Maps, it says it's a 12 minute journey. So for this to be, and this is uh, Jimmy Flynn's car, it's supposed to be on its way to commit a burglary. And it is physically impossible. So Garda Kenna was asked, did you ever do a time trial for this journey? And he said, no. So this is the most intense, the most high-profile investigation, over a million sheets of paper, 40,000, 70,000 hours of CCTV footage. They're taking some of this CCTV footage and evidence. They're putting it before the court. Surely any evidence put before the court by a policing authority, where possible, should be verified. And it's not very difficult to verify, as was said by the judge. He said this to our expert. We brought in an engineer who'd done this time. He says it's at the low level of expertise. You press a stopwatch and drive a car. He was 100% right. 
So that's all that had to be done was to check the times. Garda Kenna said, no, we never done it officially. It was never done. And then he was very casually asked by the prosecution senior counsel, do you think this journey could be done in six minutes? And Garda Kenna said yes. How the fuck did he know it could be done in six minutes if he never timed it? So I done a video on this and I called him a liar. I said he purged himself. I said they most certainly done a time trial on it. Without any shot, I'd say they tried to do it in six minutes on several occasions. They realized it wasn't possible and they just eliminated any time trial going forward as evidence and just said, that's Jimmy's car there, that's Jimmy's car there. Let nobody know anything about the the times. And we never knew anything about the times. During the book of evidence, I know I'm going on about this, we got in October 2019 and then the additional books of evidence in January 2020. We knew nothing about times until this presentation was being done by Garda Kenna. And then the times, Monaster Boyce in at zero two at zero two zero two eighteen minutes and and twenty and eighteen seconds and then zero two twenty four and 18 seconds in term of feckin'. So we knew there were six minutes and six seconds between the, and, and the journey time. So, and, and then I drove it that evening when I went home and I said, oh, fuck, this is impossible. It took me 11, now 11 or 12 minutes because there was traffic. I've done it numerous times. I've done it with a rally driver. And just on the, uh, I'm not sure it was 7.57 or 7.47. And this is before any car stolen. This is when boys are dri- allegedly driving around the car, stalking out, looking to uh, steal a car. So I done a video on it. I called Garda Kenna, and I still call you a layer, Garda Kenna. And you did purge yourself in my son's case and in the case just passed. And what did the judge do? Oh, he put me out. I said, well, I only give my opinion, Your Honour. And I, I just... I think I spoke so you got, well. Just for clarity, because people haven't seen this, yes. especially a lot of people in England, you got booted out of court in this case with James and Brandon, the yes. armed robbery case. Yes. That's only concluded recently and the verdict's being given in September, 17th of September. Yeah. The judge booted you out. What? Like, how, what did he say? And, and, and oh, he said... I, I, was, I understand why, but why did he say you got booted he out? He said I abused my position as a pub, member of the public coming in, taking notes and giving my opinion on the evidence given in court. So I give my opinion and the evidence given in court and I was just so unlucky, Sarah. I walked in and I was on all the screens in the in the court. I was late getting into the court and if I had to have a second or two just... Now, I did explain myself. I said I'm just the same as the members of the press here. I'm only giving my opinion on the evidence given here in court but they didn't accept sure. it. And I had gathered my thoughts so I had to wait for five or six minutes to make... A ruling on the application. The prosecution brought the ruling to have me removed from the court. And the prosecution wasn't even going, they didn't even want to allow me to speak. Brendan Graham didn't even want to allow me to speak. But the I judge, yeah, the, the judge, <laughs> oh, if I had been in a couple of minutes earlier, and I just came in at the very end of the clip. So, and then I was excluded from the court for some very important little bits of information. That CCTV footage we've spoken about earlier, the new footage that was found, Sarah, that was being spoken about in the following three days up until the end of the court. 
And I, 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 I missed that. I wasn't allowed into the court for that. So they said that this is, was this classed as contempt of court? And that's why you're thrown no, out. No, they, they didn't. Didn't arrest me then. Because ah, because there's a problem, isn't there? There's and a problem. That reveal, and that reveals that they're yes, lying, doesn't yes. it? Yes, I should have been so, arrested immediately. Right. So if they, if you had done what that judge said you had done, you'd be arrested, wouldn't you? Yeah, I should have been arrested. Yes. Right. So why weren't you? I'm taking the court. I was just excluded. So you were just hoofed out, thrown out on the pavement. But they never pursued it formally, no, did they? No, no. He did say, if people do get a chance, it's one of the most recent videos about it. I do put up on the screen uh, what the judge I'll actually said. In the description. Yeah. I'll stick a link in for that one, the judge one. Is it, is, doesn't that just show what a scam it is? Because if you'd done what they said you had done, you'd be on a charge yourself. Yes, I should have been arrested in the courtroom. No. And you're not? No, no. Because they know there's no evidence for that. Yeah, and I think I offered in the video to go and speak to the Gardaí about it. If they wanted to talk to me about what I had said in the video, I have no issue going in and speaking to them about it. Bless you. Well, maybe you should take the advice of Aaron's original lawyer. Yes. Do not speak to the police. Please, yeah. <laughs> Do not speak to the Gardaí. Can't possibly help you. Bless you. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for the time that you've spent with us this afternoon. It's absolutely unbelievable the amount of information that you've been able to deliver in this. I know it's quite a long podcast, but in a relatively short amount of time. And thank there's you loads, so much. loads, loads more. Yeah, I was just going to say, we've only scratched the surface, surface here, guys. Yeah. Go check out the videos on uh, justiceforaronbrady.com. And particularly, if you just put Justice for Aaron Brady into YouTube, you will find it. And I'll put the links in the description so you can just go there and see what is going on. I urge you to make a fake email and a fake YouTube account so that you can subscribe and follow and show your support to Tony and his family. Tony's not just fighting for him and his family. Tony's fighting for all of us. Absolutely all of us. This is you. This is your wife, your father, your mother, your son, your daughter, your nephew, your niece. This is all of us. Aaron is every man. Aaron is the classic every man. And he, in my opinion, bearing in mind I'm no legal expert, I know nothing about the law, but in my opinion, this young man has been fitted up by the state for a crime he did not commit. This is not a miscarriage of justice. This is beyond that. This is something way darker and way more sinister for me than that. And I'm not saying that Tony necessarily agrees with that nor his campaign, but my opinion, my personal opinion, is that this is not a mistake. This is not an accident. If you, know, if you look at the evidence, if you look at the videos, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you will realise I'm not smoking bananas, that I, I've come to a, a logical and reasoned conclusion. Tony, is there, any, is there any other places that my people can follow you given to us now and thanks again for, for for sparing all this time for us yeah well thank you thank you for the time and if any of your listeners or followers obviously the justice for Aaron Brady campaign now you've raised the awareness today now the girls in the meantime have checked we can get into the website but there is we've been shadow banned in all like some of our Videos are showing that three, three, five, six, seven hundred people are watching them. I know seven hundred people that's watching them without everyone else, you know, friends, family, acquaintances, people I know through sport. Like we know, uh, there's over. Your 70. figures are being suppressed, aren't they? Your, your, the, the figures are lies. The subscribers are lies. The views are lies. Yes, yeah. A lot more people are watching and listening than it says are on on YouTube and wherever else. I'm just actually going to your website right now just to kind of give it one more go, because I've tried this three weeks on the bounce on multiple days, and they won't let me into your website, www.justiceforaronbrady.com, and it's having none of it. Um, I will make sure that the, the link is clickable and that it works before I put it in. 
but the videos they can all be accessed can't they on on, on, on YouTube. YouTube yeah so we can get them there if, if nowhere else and we welcome any interaction and if anyone is aware of anyone either in any form of honest journalism or a journalism outside of Ireland just ask them to have a look at the Justice for Aaron Brady campaign yeah, you listeners in America, you, I've got about 15%, yes. 14%, 15% of my listeners come from the United States. Guys, please, if you know an honest journalist, I know that's not not easy these days, but if you know one, please get them to look at this case. Please look at this case. Yeah. There's something going on here and it's not right. And you don't need to be a rocket scientist to realise that. The answer lays in America, big time. Now, all, all the information I've given you in the respect of times and all, like, there's absolutely no evidence against Aaron. There's no ID, there's no... DNA, nothing whatsoever. Zero. In fact, the evidence is he wasn't there. He's the wrong height. <laughs> His mobile phone was off. Yeah. So it's not on and he's not in contact with these people. It's and off. a massive thing, there is no gang. The gang that they sort of created, like if you went to the Irish authorities now, they couldn't name four men and one woman. They couldn't name Aaron Brady, three other men and a woman and say, that's the gang. They just don't exist no because, gang. you know, so there is no gang. It's fictional. The gang who, we do have some ideas as to those who did commit the crime and some of them are in England now at the minute as far as we're concerned. I but bet. it's not our job to solve the crime. <laughs> we just want to put it forward, the case, that Aaron's conviction is totally and completely unsafe. And how can people support Aaron as an individual? How old is he now and how can we support him? Well, he's, he's 32 now. Definitely, if anyone would like to drop him a note, he likes getting the notes and just say that you're following his case. It's Aaron Brady and he's Portlaoise Prison. 74326 is his prison number. And that will and that will that'll get to him. Well, uh, I'll make sure that that's in the description and in the email that I send this podcast out. We will make sure those all those details are yeah, he likes there. Getting, this young man no. needs to know that people are thinking of him, that people are aware of this case. Very much so. Yeah, that would be brilliant. Listen, Tony, I think you're an incredibly brave man. Thank you for everything you are doing, not just for you and your family, but for all of us. Yeah, this is for all of us. And I know it's personal. I know you, your, your primary goal is get Aaron out, and that's absolutely right and decent. But in doing so, you are helping everybody, every honest, decent person who used to believe in the rule of law, who used to believe in, in honest and just leaders. Thank you for, for everything that you are doing from the very bottom of I really appreciate it. Thank you. Much appreciated. And thank you so much for your time, Sarah. And not, I hope I hope your listeners, I'm not say enjoy the story, but uh, find it absorbing and possibly get involved. Thank you once take again, on Sarah. Board. Thank, thank you for your time. Yeah, take it on board, please. Take it please on board. There but for the grace of God go you and yours. There but for the grace of God go I. Think of this. Think of your children, your family. This could be you. So get up off your ass and do something about it. And while I'm at it, remember, there's only two states of being. You can either be educated or you can be schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> yes. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Thank you. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination. 